Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Page Wars, nothing but Page Wars. Hey, you guys. Welcome to Page Wars. I am Steel Saunders, and I do not have time to read books and comics. So I made this show for our co-host, King Tom Chansky to tell me what happens within them. Welcome back to your show, Tom. Thank you very much, Seal, not only for making this show so we can talk about Star Wars and Star Wars books, but also thank you for the warm welcome. Ah, yes. It's so polite. So polite. And uh, this is normally a Patreon bonus show, but we're going to put this one on the regular feed as it's episode 10. Mm-hmm. I'm in a celebratory mood, Tom. And uh, sharing is caring. And it's, it's, I, you're still in the May the 4th spirit. I live to care. And I care to live. I don't know what's going on there. But what we normally do is have Tom recount to us what happened in a new book or comic in the canon. So we can, you know, follow along if we don't have time to uh, delve into such projects and follow what's happening in the canon. But tonight is a little bit different because we're going to talk about a book that I actually have possession of. And it's a uh, a non-fiction book. We are going to talk about the great man, Phil Stozik's The Art of the Rise of Skywalker. The trilogy is complete. Tom, I know you've been a big fan of this book series. How do you feel wrapping it up? Uh, this series, I, this is definitely a turn it. You're coherent. Great. So what we're going to do is Tom has marked out some notable pages in the book to discuss pages of interest that I should know as a new book owner. You're like, Mm -hmm. um, when you get like a new car and you watch a YouTube video of all the features, to know what you're going to do with it. This is this is my personal version of that. And one thing at the top, Tom, that we should talk about is in the tradition of these books, they don't put everything in it in case it gets spoiled. Like in case like uh, the, someone in the printing factory or whatever sees the last pages and is like, oh, my God, this is what happens. And it gets out because you've got to print a book uh, well before uh, the film comes out. So what they do is is they put in, I don't know, what is it, 10 or 20 pages of the previous film? Yes. And that was going to be how I kind of said earlier how I had a reservation about this book. Is oh. that there? There is material from the movie. Uh, I don't think the word Palpatine or Emperor appears in the book at all. There's no concepts of him. There is very little of the rebel fleet 
or the, the new ships of the rebel fleet, that sort of thing. Um, so I don't know. I, uh, yesterday on May the 4th, Phil Sostak had a kind of ask me anything thing on Twitter. And, and I asked, are we going to get a follow up or ever see that material? And his response was, he didn't know never, but never say never because a lot of times the official Star Wars account will put that either on StarWars.com or he will be able to tweet it out. So unless we get it that way, we will have to wait a few years for the uh, art of Taika Waititi's Star Wars movie. <laughs> there's one, there's a few Last Jedi images. There's the one that, that I find very striking. Mm-hmm. One of them is Ray touching the the mirror or whatever that ice block was. Mm-hmm. And as she sees herself, also in the reflection is Ben Kenobi, which is on page 22, Tom. Have you sussed this one out? Yeah, and there's... Let me... I, was, I flipped past it. It looks like there's... Yeah, there's Ben Kenobi on the good side, and it looks like the contours of Kylo's helmet and Kylo's lightsaber and arm holding the lightsaber on the, the other side. It's a very interesting concept and makes me wonder if there were originally other figures intended to be in that cave but then as we know from the movie it's just ray yeah i it's always hard to say because sometimes with the force awakens especially they just say go draw stuff Mm -hmm. like come up with concepts of things that are in a a universe of Star Wars 30 years after Return of the Jedi or whatever it was. So George used that too for the prequels. Yeah. Especially Revenge of the Sith. Just got crew drawing? Right. Just draw and I'll come up with script to fit it. Interesting. But, yeah, the last Jedi ones, and then on page 24, there's one of Luke Skywalker igniting the green... Mm-hmm. And just a tremendous one of Kylo Ren's hand exploding the hut with the... Sometimes these, like, the facials aren't that good because it's more about getting across the concept. But that young Mark Hamill, mm-hmm. that it's is... very, very well done. That is spectacular. And there's, like, the Holdo maneuver and all the amazing visuals of Luke facing off against the First Order on a crate. So, yeah, it would be... It's Yeah, it is it is sort of frustrating that, that even, like, the, the pictures and the text of the explanations of where they were going and, and where they started aren't going to be there. Uh, there's also, just as there's none of that end movie material, there's also... N- Nothing from the Colin Trevorrow era, the short Colin Trevorrow era. I don't even think he's mentioned in the book at all. Well, I know where you can find one of his concepts. Mm-hmm. And that's in life-size form at Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> yes, the that weird-looking shuttle, right? Yeah, the First Order shuttle, which I, yeah. I was always... I was like, oh, that has to be in the movie. Mm-hmm. But no bars. No. Um, one thing that I wanted to talk about as we go into the Rise of Skywalker stuff, on page 38, mm-hmm. there is something that, to me... <laughs> I had... I think I know what you're going to say. Tell you me what question? I'm going to say. 
Tell me what okay. I'm going to say. So this is a picture of Finn wearing a big puffy yellow jacket. And there's one – there's you know a front v- version and a back version. And the back version has a big circle. And all I can think of is you have a question. You ask the eight ball. <laughs> that was not what I was thinking. Oh, okay. But that is a remarkably good uh, Seinfeld reference. I, um, Putty, what a what a guy, what a guy. You are right. Finn does have a gold jacket on, which <laughs> I'm a huge fan of gold jackets in Star Wars. We did yesterday for the Scum and Villainy Cantina. We did a a New Hope sort of watch along commentary. Right. So you're sort of watching the film in a different way. And just, I was really focused on Luke's gold jacket during the ceremony scene. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all I could think about was how dope that jacket was. That's a great jacket. So I do like that Finn is concept up mm. in a gold jacket, but on the back, there is this weird sort of almost the whole back, a circle with a line through it. It's like, like a sun mm. with a line through it and then some text over the top. And to me, this could have been the first bit of branded clothing, like mm. streetwear, mm-hmm. in the Star Wars universe. Like, like people don't rock brands. No, they don't. Like Han Solo, his pants have got the Corellian blood stripe. Right. Those little lines down the side, as mm. they call them. But the brand of pant isn't like... You don't go down to the Corellian Bloodstripe store to get some slacks. Right. So, yeah, I thought that was really funny that there'd be, you know, this is whatever brand. It's Timberland. This is <laughs> Star Wars Timberland he's, he's got yeah. here. But uh, it's, I don't know, it, it's so weird seeing, like, all the alternate costumes. There's all these alternate Poe Dameron costumes and stuff. They... I always, like, sometimes the scenes are different, but with Mm -hmm. costumes, and this is through the entire Star Wars run, I'm always like, oh, the one they went with, that was a good one. Because that's the one I saw on screen, fully realized, and it's actual clothing. Right, because you've seen, you could see it move, it's not just an image that's in one pose forever. Yeah, like, so there's all these cool things of um, Poe, all these different outfits, but then I'm just like, what about that thing with the sleeves pulled up? That's, yeah. That, that, the, that swashbuckling get-up he was uh, gallivanting around the galaxy in. And in some of these, he does have a scarf tied around his neck, but it doesn't look like the, it, they're all long scarves. It doesn't look as good as the one he has in the movie. Oh, do you know why? It's because what? this drawing <laughs> cannot rock a scarf the way Oscar <laughs> Isaac can rock a scarf. That's, like, that's like, very true. They they should have called that film The Rise of Scarf. <laughs> the Search for Poe's Neck. <laughs> but get it. Go, oh, my God. I've just turned to a horrifying page. 101, Tom. Flick oh, over to that really, one. You're really skipping around, aren't you? I'm flicking. I'm see okay. you're a, I, as I said at the start, you're a good flicker. I'm not a good <laughs> flicker of the pages. 
But there's a... Oh, man, this is heartbreaking. Well, the cat, this, is what, this is something I had in my notes to bring up. Oh, really? So yeah. you've got Bulio, the Mark Hamill voice character from the start of the film, the one that goes, <laughs> win the war, <laughs> but in Mark Hamill's voice. Yeah. And he's depicted in the Millennium Falcon, in the gunner's chair, mm-hmm. as though that he made it off whatever right. that ice little island planet was and got to um, join the resistance at the end. That's Because mm-hmm. that character, he's one that I really... I loved his vibe. Just win the war. Too. That's so selfless. Right. But if you, if you look at the, the text here, the story behind his design is they knew they wanted Kylo to basically throw someone's head down and to be ca- – well, first to be carrying it around and then throw it down. And they didn't want him to be carrying the character's head by the hair. So that's why Bulio has those horns so Kylo can be carrying something that's not the other character's hair. Oh, that's weird. I can't – like evolution – yeah, you know how animals like become the color of their environment and all that. Mm-hmm. The bullio, <laughs> the bullio people developed horns because they were known for getting their heads cut off, yep. and they needed a handle. Yes, <laughs> that's horrible. That's the species name, handles. Ah, from the handle system. Great. All right, Tom. Um, I'm going to hand it over to you. You, you go okay. where we need to. I would like to go back to the very, very beginning of the book because I think – I can't confirm this, but I think there's an Easter egg going on here Love it. with the opening pages of the book. Do you, um, have you heard – and it is confirmed in the book of how The Rise of Skywalker was supposed to open? I believe it was going to open – was it with Kylo going to the Oracle? No. No. The original plan for it was to, you have the crawl and then space pan down to I've a heard planet. about it. I've heard about it. Yeah. I, 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 I did predict that. So right. cold, can I, uh, cold it, cold it. Thank you. Pan down and you would see like something happening in a forest. And then it would zoom in to Luke and Leia training. Oof. And it would open with a flashback. So I want you to open your book up to the front cover, mm-hmm. which the two inside front pages are black. Gotcha. Okay. Then turn the page. I was hoping that wasn't going to be the Easter egg. I was going to no. be very no. disappointed. Turn the page and the second page here, it's, there's a forest, a view of a forest canopy with something going on underneath. Ah, okay. Yeah. And then turn another page. Oh, I don't know if that was intentional, but I have to say very well done. And on the next page, we should reveal it's (laughs) a concept of a helmeted Luke and Leia training, doing their Jedi training. This is a podcast. I sometimes forget that. Yes. Helmeted Luke and Leia. I, I just have to add for the things that you don't get. You're holding the book up to the camera. No one else (laughs) is watching and I have the book. I'm a little bit excited about this, okay? That is cool. I didn't put that together. So, yeah, the trees, and there's like a glow as though, you know, something's like welding or something's going on underneath. And they're welding the force. 
And if if anyone br- happens to talk to Mr. Phil Sostak and you mention that, uh, and he acts like you know, oh yeah, thanks, it, just let him have that, just in case that wasn't an intentional thing, because I I just love that. On the page after that, I'll just jump in. Mm-hmm. Is an interesting bit of concept art. It's Ray and Kylo on the Death Star about to mm-hmm. pounce on each other with lightsabers ignited in uh, mm-hmm. pre-sort of or mid-battle mode, about to start another round of jousting. And then there's sort of like all this water pouring down and through the water you can see a TIE fighter. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know what goes on where you live, Tom, <laughs> in this Ohio place that you speak of. But around LA, there was a fair few billboards of this image. Really? Yeah. I I had never seen this image until getting the art book. Like, I'm not sure it's this image exactly, Mm -hmm. but it's this exact thing with the TIE Hmm. fighter in the background. It must be this image Mm -hmm. because it does look almost like a photo it's it's drawn so well and you know things on a billboard it's you know yeah. when, when you're up close to them they're actually blurry so right. um, you have to be well away from them then on the next page tom mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm just gushing about the parts of the book i've read while we're there <laughs> this is one of the great images it is. I, I, I tweeted and Instagrammed. I went for a dual social media strategy on mm-hmm. this double-page spread sitting on my lap the other night. Mm-hmm. And it is of the Millennium Falcon, I guess for, like, us Earthlings, sort of cutting through the ring of Saturn. Mm-hmm. Like the Falcon's on an it's- angle and it's just sort of sessying through the rings. Yeah. It's it's a very beautiful image. Just the, the the way it's composed, the effect that the Falcon has going in the rings. Did you take a look at the dish? Ah, the mythical triangle dish. Yeah, it appears in a few places in this book. But yeah, this is definitely the fir- first time I saw it. I feel like I've seen like a micro machine or something that had that triangle dish. There, there's, there is, or maybe like one of those games, you know, like the, the games oh, okay. with the, the sweet vehicles. But I feel like mm-hmm. in some format, one triangle dish item did make it out there. What do you hmm. think of the triangle dish? It's one of those things that when I heard about it, I didn't like it. But seeing it in this and in the other place in the book, I can, I can accept that. I'm, I can accept it. I'm not saying I love it. It's, I'm not saying it's my favorite, but I can accept it. Hey, in the spirit of this podcast, <laughs> I will tell you this. Okay. Burn it. Okay. Not a fan. I, I was sort of happy. Like, I liked that they had to establish that there was a new radar dish mm-hmm. in The Force Awakens. And I, I thought this, the rectangle one did sort of fit with the aesthetic but I, like the triangle, it's like, oh, that's the only shape that was left. 
<laughs> I don't know. It's. Yeah. We're, we're, I hope. I hope I didn't ruin this image for you then. Yeah, maybe. Oh. I think I'll be okay. Okay. It's weird That's... that the the whole image is so beautiful that mm-hmm. I I didn't even notice that the one of the most well known spaceships of all time had a <laughs> uh, remarkable a remarkably different uh, aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And not for an average, but let's be honest. We're we're on a Patreon bonus show here. I, I should be seeing. I should. <laughs> have so else going on in my <laughs> life that I should be noticing triangle satellites. <laughs> How, get us going, Tom. Get us back on track. Okay. So we, we talked about – it opens up with a forward from Doug Chang and an introduction by Phil Solstack. And then as we talked about before, concept from art from The Last Jedi. And, and everything there is is mostly close to what we see in the movie. So if, if you have – if you haven't seen The Last Jedi, it's spoilery, but it's not because The Last Jedi had some material from The Force Awakens that looked completely different, like the early versions of Octo and what Luke was up to. Um, the Last Jedi stuff is still nice to have. Um, but the book begins in earnest on page 34 when uh, we get some text which talks about you know, how J.J. came to direct the rise of Skywalker. And, and as I mentioned, this is the closest to a, uh, making of book that we're going to get it is these introductory, um, sections to each of the chapters, the chapters in this book. Um, the interesting stuff here, and there, there are a few things that are spliced throughout the book. The interesting part with this first one, uh, they talk about story group meetings going back to 2014 after, um, the Force Awakens script was completed when they were shooting it and as they were looking forward to episodes 8 or 9. And uh, on 35, there's a transcript of a conversation between Pablo Hidalgo, Dave Filoni, John Knoll, and Kiri Hart. And they're talking about how even back then they had the idea that, that Leia would be the one to break through to the villain throughout the saga. Um, that would, in a way, fulfill the "there is another line" from Empire Strikes Back, Oof. and I think I think Filoni says something to the effect of um, that it it would it felt like a, a cheat having Leia being there is another, but only being a backup in, in in case Luke didn't work out. And here you could see how they're using this trilogy to have her fulfill that destiny. Oh man, I'm. I got to be upfront with you, Tom. I'm already in a good mood with this Dave Filoni character. <laughs> you gave me that very good Clone Wars finale, <laughs> and Toro Calican, and now he's gone for the hat trick and dropped that on me. That is cool. I, I love that concept. Of course, yeah. it was. You know, sadly, not being able to correctly be fulfilled. Well, they did what they could. They didn't. They didn't. They probably didn't do it to the extent they wanted to do it, but they did what they could with what they had. <laughs> I thought you were rapping then. <laughs> no, no, I, I do we, not rap. We did what we could. What we had. Um. Yeah that that is 
That is very interesting. And mm-hmm. I love that with that Clone Wars mm-hmm. finale, uh, and and with this is is something about Filoni that I'm very appreciative of is not trying to change what something means, like mm-hmm. in a previous film or cartoon or whatever, but enriching it. Yeah. Sort of fulfilling it. Yeah. And and that is really cool. Because I, when someone says that, like, Ezra's the other, or it just, you're killing me. You're, like, no. You, 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 like, the original intent of the person that wrote that film was... Princess Leia mm-hmm. is the other. So, uh, yeah, that that's a fascinating... All right, well done, Filoni. There's another one on page 37, a, a quote from um, Pablo from, from the same time, May of 2014. I like the idea that she, Rey, is going to be our Skywalker, but she's not a Skywalker. Then for our purposes, the Skywalker is really a metaphor. It doesn't have to be something that's directly connected to blood. So even back then, that's something they wanted carried through this trilogy where the idea was Rey is going to be the one who carries the Skywalker mantle. So it wasn't something tacked on to the Rise of Skywalker, you know, as an afterthought. Yeah, I don't know. I think they just made it more literal. Mm -hmm. Like reading that quote... To me, it doesn't say... Like, it's sort of what I thought when The Force Awakens came out. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, this is my new Luke. Mm-hmm. This is my hopeful, you know, like the nicest character in the film with Force powers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so it is... I hadn't even really connected the whole... Because my the, the thing that won me over with Ray is... Mm-hmm. When I went to saw that, uh, when I went to see, pardon me, that ten minute preview of The Force Awakens, hosted by Harrison Ford, mm-hmm. you might have heard of him here and there. He's a pilot, right? Apparently, <laughs> maybe not for much longer. But when Ray said Luke Skywalker, I thought he was just a myth, and was so excited that he was real and was a fan of Luke Skywalker. That was like, oh, you're me. I'm a fan of Luke Skywalker as well. We have a common interest. And so mm-hmm. she, I instantly adopted her as my sort of avatar in the series, much like Luke Skywalker in A New Hope. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because I once back went back to my hometown and just really laid it down with all the town bullies. They, they had my friend cornered. It was a cold day. He may as well have been frozen. Do you see where I'm going with this, Tom? I, I, I do. And you had your uh, little sidekick with your weapon hidden inside. My weapon was my quick-witted tongue, I think. <laughs> but continue. Um, so, the, like we, we mentioned before, there are concepts for the costumes of Ray. Finn and Poe. Uh, go to page forty-four. Mm-hmm. There, you know, they have some different ideas for members of the Resistance, and there are a lot of things on this page that remind me of uh, Star Wars 
you have the R4, R5 unit. You have that on the bottom of the page, there's an R5 unit. On the top of the page, there's a, a kind of round thing that looks like one of the ships in Mos Eisley. But then look at the opposite page, uh, page 45. The woman who's standing there with her helmet under her arm, what does, she, what does her costume look like to you? Oh, I think it's Big Starkwider on Tatooine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and her haircut, though, is... The haircut's kind of interesting. She like looks... She looks like a bald man. Yes, like a comb, like a a, a one third center bang with everything else taken off. It is a pe- peculiar hairdo. It's like yes. she's got her hair tied back very tightly. Oh, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. No, no, no. But then a medium sized bird, like kamikazed into the front mm-hmm. of her forehead. Poor bird. I do have to say, with these pilots and stuff on page 45, I love the mix of blues and yellows. Yeah. Sometimes Star Wars stuff, like, you know, obviously the costumes are amazing. Mm-hmm. But they're not, you don't get many brights in the rebellion in the original trilogy. Like everyone's sort of hiding and they're drabby and stuff like that. Right. And yeah, the yellow and blue, it's, it's quite striking. Mm-hmm. I. How she's, it looks like she is cosplaying as Big's Darklighter. <laughs> That's crazy. She's a fan of the original Red Squad. Who wouldn't be? Yeah. And then on the next page, there's a uh, a David Bowie like <laughs> alien. It's David Bowie's like from a, a, what are they? Chiss. Yes. Yeah. A, a, a grand a grand admiral Bowie. Davrid that Anudo. Bowie. <laughs> yeah, they, they definitely... I, I think this was at the point where they said, oh, draw whatever you think would look good and we'll see what we like. Because there are some very interesting ideas here. We, we see Lando on... Our concepts for Lando in 48 and 49... Um, where they, they went with it, you know a masked version and then Lando as he would appear later in the movie, both in the Bespin blue shirt and then the yellow shirt we saw in Solo. It's so strange because they've got four different sort of resistance Lando costume concepts. And mm-hmm. he's doing the same hand gestures in each one. Yeah. And so it looks like a video game, like designer character that you're flicking <laughs> through. So it, it, it is quite interesting that they went with the callback to Solo, the Solo film, Yellow Lando, but then mm-hmm. they've got the exact same outfit concept up where it harkens back to his Cloud City, Bespin, blue-shirted vibe. Yeah. Which I kind of think is a diss. You do? Lando. He's a modern man. Mm-hmm. He rolls with the times. If you want to know what's hot right now, you look to Lando Carizian. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's rocking the same shirt from when he was 23 
Mm-hmm. It's not a good sign. No. No, I see. And the thing I, I love the I love the Empire costume, mostly because on the inside of his cape, there are there's there are dragons. It's this pattern in the fabric and it's it's amazing. And the, the capes here and the cape he had in the Rise of Skywalker compared to that is boring. So like you said, hard times. I knew it had dragons inside mm-hmm. because Tom Chansky mm-hmm. in 1998 a young Steel Saunders having never flown on a plane before embarked on a multi-flight 24-hour journey to arrive in Washington, D.C. to visit the Smithsonian Institute to see the Magic of Myth exhibition. Oh. The first big major mm-hmm. prop and model. And Tom, mm-hmm. it was pretty good. I believe that. It was pretty good. I, apparently... I think they it was like an hour or a 90 minute like expected visitation thing. You know, they say how long it will take to get to this exhibit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, not, not to brag. Mm-hmm. Did it in seven. Ooh. Nice. I went through many times. <laughs> I would too. It was very cool. Continue. If we uh, advance to page 52, we start seeing some concepts for Zori Bliss. Uh, it appears they're, they're all kind of similar, or they, they hit the the vibe they wanted for her early on with a mask slash helmet uh, with a, you know, a, a space for the eyes. Um, although I do like the idea, and this is not only on, the, on page 52, but it's on some of the following pages. She has this spotted fur cape mm. that looks pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's on, on page 54. Uh, it's, it, it, it's very close to the final uh, Zori costume that we see, but with this leopard-like, leopard-skin-like cape. Yeah, well, that's the best of both worlds, because a lot of the other Zori concepts are kind of Boba Fett concept-esque-ish. Yeah. And I don't mean like Boba Fett, but they remind me of the concepts for Boba Fett mm-hmm. with like the the poncho and the sort of mid cape. And right. I sort of liked her. I thought that was quite a refreshing costume. Mm-hmm. But then when she's also draped in the space leopard sort of uh, jacket, rug sort of deal, that's mm-hmm. a good... That, like, that would have been a cool thing to mix it up that she started with that on... And she looked like a huge, maybe, creature or something. And then once they got inside, she took it off. And it's like, <laughs> sorry, Bliss is a girl. Yeah. But they kind of, they kind of I, I like that idea. They kind of did that uh, with Enfys Nest, though. But I still like the idea. Hey, I'm not saying my good ideas are original. <laughs> All right? <laughs> okay, that's fine. That's fine. They're inspired. 
Hey, you don't throw anything away in Star Wars. That's what we've learned. Exactly. You know, exactly. Mace Windu. That was that was floating around in. in that was one of the original names he yeah. had. Yeah, uh, and then we we see Janna, and that look was very again it uh, page fifty eight fifty nine. Um, they kind of knew with what what they were going with for her. Yeah, see, whenever I see one of these concept drawings and it's a new character and mm-hmm. the character looks like the actor, mm-hmm. I'm like, did you do this after the movie came out? Tell the truth. <laughs> tell the truth, Phil. Hey, yeah. i got to tell you a story about Phil, right? Okay. So, and it, and it ties in with this book because when I filmed that solo story for TV back in Australia where Ray Park lightsaber battled me Mm -hmm. and I ripped the crotch of my jeans, gulp. I did have to go up to Lucasfilm for that to do certain things. And I, there's a a Starbucks, which I don't know if that's, it's all connected. Starbucks, Star Wars, you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Just next to Lucasfilm on the Lucasfilm campus. And Phil came over to have a coffee with me. So this is, you know, in between Solo and the rise of Skywalker, then Mm -hmm. unnamed. But I knew what Phil's job was. And I also knew around this time, this was what he'd be working on. Mm -hmm. But Tom, I'm a gentleman. And gentlemen don't ask. Right. But. As I was talking to him, and he's a delightful, just such a nice guy, Mm -hmm. I did sometimes focus on his forehead and just think, what's in there? What do you know, mate? What do you know? And it reminded me of those George Lucas interviews with Leonard Moulton. They were on like the special edition videos. or No, the pre-special edition videos. And he mentions the prequels and how he's working on them. And then like, I just watch those interviews on VHS over and over, just looking at like, he knows what happens in these, it's in his head and I'm looking at his head. It's very frustrating. Mm-hmm. But, and then I was like, he just left all these production pictures of this new Star Wars film. And then when he left, I'm like, and he's going to rejoin them now. And I'm just left sitting in Starbucks mm-hmm. like a schmuck. So there you go. So it is funny to flick through this, and and I, I would I would love to know what he was working on that day. Mm-hmm. Probably something like this. I think the the solo, the art of solo book came out very close to the solo theatrical release. So he. This was probably his next project. Yeah, well, I was up there for the release of the solo movie on Blu-ray and home right. video. So it yeah. was after the film had come out. So he's not... Mm-hmm. Um, or, or, or maybe he's pulling one of his classic tricks and he's getting them to draw. Mm-hmm. Can you redraw this for us? Yeah. Hey, those Mandalorian concept pictures. Mm-hmm. They're not actually concept pictures, are they? Like in the credits. Are they? I don't know. Some of them are like just different enough to make you think that they are. 
concept drawings. I think they're concept drawings. Okay. Because they have Doug, you know, Doug Chang is one of the art directors or producers or whatever you want to call it. And they they have his touch, his feel, his color palette. Continue. Okay. Uh, page 60, we, st- we have another chapter introduction. This is more background information about the movie. It talks about uh, announcing um, JJ. Some other interesting things here. Um, we find out that uh, Rick Carter, one of the production designers on The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, they brought him back. He was – he's – much more than just a guy who designs what the movie is going to look like. He had a lot to do with the story and how JJ for the force awakens and Ryan for the last Jedi developed those stories. And I don't think we really knew he was in that involved with the rise of Skywalker. Um, so they kind of br- brought him in to help and he, he was definitely not involved with Terrio. So it was nice to see him back here. Um, I'm not, I'm sorry, not Terrio, Trevaro. Both these guys, the initial CT, their names kind of sound similar. Um, something of personal interest, we find – this is the first time I ever saw Chris Terrio, his hometown is – or he grew up in Staten Island, New York, which is where I grew up. And I looked into this. He is a year older than me and he went to the high school that was my second choice of high school. He lived a few blocks from my high school. So like I always wondered, maybe if I went to that other high school, I would have known him. Ah, oh, I thought you were going to say maybe if I went to that other high school, I could have written Star Wars Episode Nine. I, I am not, my ego is not that big. Okay, well, okay. we see some alternate versions of Kylo, including uh, instead of the red material holding his helmet together, there's a gold and looks looks to be a silver material that they were that they were going for. We get um, dark ray. I really like this one on page 63. It's a full page picture of her holding the Skywalker saber, but she, she, her outfit kind of has this bunched up black leather vibe to it that Darth Vader's costume had. Mm. It almost reminds me of that Revenge of the Sith teaser poster. Yeah. Where Anakin's cape becomes Vader's helmet. Right, right. I like I like that a lot. Um, we get the Knights of Ren; uh, they're fleshing those out, and then a lot of the Sith troopers. I think they they call them Sith troopers here somewhere. I know they they say red red troopers, uh, but again, we you know you don't have any context as to what these troopers are doing in the movie. What about this, Tom? Page mm-hmm. sixty five. I believe, is this a, it's a Swamp Thing version 3A. Yeah, these were the people that Kylo fought in the, on Mustafar at the very beginning. So this guy's got, you know, he's all got all this heavy armor on, a lot of um, bits of leather hanging off. Mm-hmm. And then he looks like he's got a Kenner playset of Exegol as his head. He's got a triangle head. <laughs> that is a very bizarre choice of headgear on his part it right did you ever play with those muscle figures when you're little yes yes the I crazy little those. wrestling pink men mm-hmm. he looks like there was one who was just a triangle now over the page on 67 i gotta tell you i'm feeling the sith trooper with the capes mm-hmm. i like a bit of cape 
Although, were these the guard? We didn't really get a good look at them in the movie. Were these the guards that were in the final scene, or in the when Ray was Ray against Sheev? Could have been. Could have been. It says what do you got? Officer version O two. So I don't know. The description of it yeah. isn't that, but. I guess it's hard because the Emperor had the Red Royal Guard and then we had the Praetorian Guards. Could he, could he have leaned another way? Could he have gone a blue to harken back to his good old days in the Senate? Maybe he has something against the colour blue. Interesting. Okay. All right, continue. More Sith Troopers, uh, Jet Troopers... Uh... Some the the guy who fired the super laser at Kajimi, snowtroopers, officers. Again, a lot of these are looking very close to the what we saw in the movie. There there aren't too many that deviate from what we got. Um, page seventy five, another intro. They start talking about story beats that they were working on uh, that. Terrio and JJ came up with some ideas were that the first order wasn't going to have any more super weapons. Instead, there was going to be a huge fleet of star destroyers that they were going to try and take over the galaxy with. Again, they're not talking about Palpatine at all. It's, it's all Kylo and the first order. Uh, other ideas. They wanted the movie to talk about Poe Dameron's past, the possibility of visiting uh, Sith temples, the first version of the screenplay was done around November of 2017. It was going to open with the Jedi training duels we discussed earlier. Um, another opening was Kylo against a group of warriors, and then he was going to go visit an oracle. Meanwhile, on the other hand, the Resistance was going to ha- – they were always on the run, but were going to have a secure communication device, which was going to tie in to the main conflict in the movie and a lot of their influences um carter says came from things like world war ii movies and kurosawa Um, but other other ideas for the movie involved leia training ray hux uh betraying the first order even more than he did in the the final movie Uh, there was going to be a retired imperial general they likened to a nazi who had been hiding in argentina which was something that was talked about for the force awakens and a uh, horseback charge near the climax of the movie. Nice. So some things they had down from the very beginning, other ideas they discarded. What was uh, – any other sort of juicy throwaways that you – Yeah, um, page 81, we start seeing um, – some ideas for different types of equipment that was going that was originally considered for the MacGuffin of the movie or the device that will help fix everything. Mm-hmm. And early on, they they had the idea that this enslaved race that hated the Imperials was responsible for all the First Order technology, and they had built this kill switch that could turn everything off. Oh, and they were trying to get this device to the resistance really oh this is some good juice yeah uh, and so the, the there are different canister looking devices or boxes that were going to be this device but it, uh turn the page to 82 they have a, a scroll and then at one point i think some communication device was going to be embedded within a bug a space bug all right 
I caught the bug. <laughs> I, 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 I don't mean it like that. Okay. But I did check out this picture previously and it is like an iPhone, a real <laughs> thick one. <laughs> like someone, yeah, people got those iPhones and they've, they've got those covers that they can, I don't know, throw their phone against the wall and it won't explode. Right. I don't know. Personally, I think a better way to live is just not have phone conversations that make you want to throw your phone against the wall. What are you going to do? But you open it up, and then there's this cockroach, and like all these <laughs> bellies hooked up to these like electrodes. It is. It's a little bit off-putting. It is. It is. But it's a definitely a shock value thing. Yeah, that is. Yeah, I don't. I. I. I would love to see how that played out in the mm. film like I, I loved cockroach in the iphone that bit was sick yeah. yeah that would be you know people's uh screen backgrounds they turn on their phone there's a picture of a mutilated cockroach now they've got the the sith knife here what, what mm-hmm. can you what can you tell us about that uh basically it transitioned from that that was part of well we're not going to do a kill switch or a communication device it, it's going to be a wayfinder mm-hmm. uh, and they, they talk about the the use of the wayfinder and then how that developed into the um the dagger how they wanted to get the design built before shooting the movie so they could do all of the 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 sets and computer imagery but at the same time the blade had to interact with what they were going to use so it seems like it was tough for the um the production department here to figure it out yeah interestingly you know i think a lot of people that you know read star wars books and stuff when they saw the film and he had the wayfinder Mm -hmm. and it's like oh no that's a that's a holocron what are you talking about Mm -hmm. but a lot of these concepts for it, uh, like one of them is sort of like a, a ye olde metal jar with like an arrow on a string that would just right. seemingly through the force just point in a direction of where to go, which which to me doesn't seem like like that much help in the Star Wars universe. Nope. But it it, it, it more seems like a, like a Willow or a Ewok adventure sort of bit of mythical technology. Hmm. Yeah, it would fit, it would fit in very well with any of those, but it would that would definitely appear out of place in a big Star Wars movie. I'm sure in one of the Ewok movies, there's some like a rock or something that points the direction or does something. That sounds about right. I'm sure Sindel uh, meets a. A helpful rock along the way. Yeah. And it introduces her to Wilfred Brimley. Yes. Uh, we start getting into weapons after that. And then on page 86, they have a, a close-up of the top of Lando's cane, which is patterned after Cloud City, which I I think is really neat. Oh, man. That is cool. So, <laughs> you guys, it's... Yeah, it's like if you had Cloud City, a little model of it on top of a cane, and then, right. oh, that's really nice. It is... Like, it's crazy. Like, mm-hmm. like how long did someone spend on this? 
Like, do you know what I mean? It is such a cool little detail that I don't even know how much you even see the cane in the movie. Yeah. Probably only when they're on um, the Resistance planet base. Yeah. To be honest, I don't even remember him having a cane. I remember it from these these still images that we saw probably before Celebration. Gotcha, gotcha. But you di- you didn't see the top that close. You would ju- you just saw that oh Lando has a has a cane these days. Yeah, that is such. I don't know. It's it. It's it's. I, I guess by doing all that, it just like it bleeds onto the screen when you put that much detail. You right. have to assume it sort of just adds a level. Uh, then we start getting into Pasana with another uh, chapter break on page 91. Some more story elements are introduced. Uh, they had an idea for a junk planet with the discarded stormtroopers or the stormtroopers who didn't make the cut for the first order were kind of marooned on this planet and Finn would really? visit them. Yep. But that... I guess they could. It sounds like they couldn't tie that into the rest of the story they were trying to tell. Um, originally, they were going to have Pasana, the, the festival, be on a river planet oh. or a water planet. Um, they would visit a Star Destroyer factory. Kylo would go to Coruscant. And this is the first we hear of them wanting to go back to chunks of the second Death Star. Gotcha. They, they keep shying away from this water. Mm-hmm. You know, Jakku originally was sort of going to be like a swampy... Yeah, like swamp. in, in, Yeah, in Phil's book for The Force Awakens. Um, yeah, it showed sort of... Like, it was like Jakku, more populated and a lot mm-hmm. more water. But yeah, that's an expensive thing to film. So, man up, Lucasfilm. <laughs> Get us some water. Instead, instead, they just keep going to these deserts. Well, they put um, the stormtroopers in water in uh, Rogue One, and then they yep. didn't, didn't pony up with the scene. Right. In water and on the subway, and we, we only got a few seconds of that. Love the subway. Love the subway. We see Maz and Akbar Jr. Akju. referred to. Akju. If you will. Yes. I, I, w- I will for that one. Thank you. Uh, on page, what is it, page 95, we see it, and I doubt this was anything they they ever thought considered seriously but there's a bb8 tank i'm just trying Which... to get my head around it <laughs> like just say imagine a world without bb8 <laughs> so they'd never done the ball thing oh okay and then in the last film they bring out this so this like it's like it must be a 40-foot-high ball, metal ball, with like a tank head on top of it, and it would roll. And a the, guy in the turret. Yeah, that would be an amazing visual to mm-hmm. see like a a battalion of them or how whatever they call. I don't know what the name for a group of giant mm-hmm. ball tanks is. A tankette. Uh, cruising through. But yeah, this 94, 95, like this is some of the the juice where it's just like random, yeah. like 
there's little bug man. It's it's mm-hmm. it's there's just like that blue droid. I like little like, blue. I like bu- bug man. I like the and blue droid because he was like yeah. a, he was like a Roomba. Like he, he, <laughs> he does. He sort of <laughs> now. He's the extended canister Roomba. Tom, mm-hmm. page ninety six. Yes, this is this is the juice. Mm-hmm. Production art on deleted scenes with one of the bizarrest, most mid seventies potential Star Wars scene: the Oracle, mm-hmm. the baby head with the bizarre. Squid Man living on top that knows a lot of stuff. Run, run us through it. Yeah, this this was a concept, and I think they actually filmed it. I'm not sure which of these designs they went with, though. But it was going to be Kylo was going to cut down the people on Mustafar and then go to this lake where this baby had appeared, and there was something on top of it that spoke to Kylo. And the baby head and the thing on top of it were symbionts, where they depended on each other, and this oracle told Kylo about the Wayfinder, and or passed on more information about his mission. And uh, it's just a very... I, I don't know how to describe it other than that. It's a very trippy, very cool looking concept. And it's, it's, not, just 90, it's not just 96, 97, but it's it's a few pages after this and a few page a few other pages and it's all seeing that they're going in these different places and there's another one that's that's oh my god different the, the, in, the in, little in, duck thing and the baby's got face tats yes the baby has face tattoos and then there's a duck in a black hood it <laughs> looks like a cartoon <laughs> duck <laughs> quack 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 yeah that would have been the best scene <laughs> quack quack <laughs> What are you saying? What are you saying? A dyad. Quack, quack. Palpatine lives. Oh, they no. they were definitely throwing everything out there. I feel like that last one on page 99 is the closest to what they filmed. I think so. I think, so. I think that's the one I saw somewhere. Oh, man. They need – you know how um, on your iPhone you can push the photo and you get like five seconds of video? Like it, you've taken a photo but it actually done video. I, I need that for these pages. Like I want to push down on this Oracle picture mm-hmm. and like what does the Oracle sound like? Quack. Like is it a boy, or, is it a boy or a girl? Yes. And what about – What's going on with the giant baby? Where's the baby? Where's the giant baby society? Where's that? Can you, can you, I, I want to do another episode of this show where you're like, well, hot off the press. Charles Sewell has done it again with giant baby society. <laughs> Set in the Star Wars universes. It's great. He is writing something for the, uh, the High Republic. Maybe wow. that's what he's. Maybe that's. I don't like the one the the giant baby with face tats. I, I don't know if we've explained this properly, but a giant baby comes out of a swamp with a mm-hmm. creature on top of its head that it's connected to. 
the one with face tats, it, it looks like he's got like a drug or alcohol problem. Yeah. You can't see the mouth, so it looks like the mouth is under the water trying to drink all the water. That is something that my giant baby does as well. <laughs> does your giant baby have a duck in a black robe atop its head? He does have several ducks. Um, none of them are robed, but it can be organized. I can stitch together a little... Um, that would be... I. Next bath time, I'm recreating this scene because I've got all these little rubber ducks. I, I can find a Star Wars toy that's got like a black cape. I am, and do I have? I, I must have a Kylo Ren figure here somewhere. But yeah, I, I might re not without the face tat. We'll let we'll let that go. But I need to um, recreate the the long forgotten duck on giant baby head scene from Star Wars. Great stuff. That never made it. Should have. Should have. The rest of this chapter, we get into some more aliens and some different versions of Kylo's mask. It looks like they were going on 102. They they have ideas for Kylo's original mask, but then they were also going to use, in the upper left-hand corner of the page, a totally different helmet. Hmm. Yeah, it says here, we, uh, we started with the approach that Kylo had built a new helmet. I took the current design and began adding more of the Vader aesthetic. It looks somewhat menacing, but I'm, I'm glad they went back to the original just space glued together. Yeah, I like space glue. And here's mm-hmm. the thing about this helmet business. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't take his mask off all the time. Right. Like, evaded it. Like, I, I would assume... Correct me if I'm wrong. This is one of the few times I want to be corrected when I'm wrong, Tom. Just let that, let that be clear. But most people in the First Order had never seen his face. That was my impression. So, if you just come out with a new head... Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. like... Zuckus is back in a new film, but he's got a, a new... Like, it's his face. Mm-hmm. Like, Darth Vader never changed. Like, I know he did, if you're just a raging nerd and you're into mm-hmm. costuming and all that sort of business. But c- mm-hmm. can you tell the difference between the original trilogy Darth Vader's? Not the original trilogy, but Revenge of the Sith and the original trilogy, oh, yes. yeah, well, you got eyes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I, I I think if you came out with a new helmet, it's like people are going to be going, oh, what's up with that? What happened to the old helmet? Didn't like, like, mm-hmm. it's just, but uh, not the gluing it together with red hate glue sends much of a better <laughs> message, but at least everyone knows who, you've established that mask as Kylo mm-hmm. Ren's face. You can't go around with like a new mask every six months. People go and like no. they won't fear you enough because you're like, oh, who? Oh, oh, Kylo. Sorry, I didn't recognize you. Love what I, you've I done. I like the other one better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So more of the festival on Pasana and some uh, just they were really they kind of settled on the fact that they wanted these people with 
tentacles on their faces and some very interesting drawings of them and their festivals and all kinds of poses. I so are they called elephantines? I think that the, the Aki Aki. Okay, maybe elephantine was their code name or something. Because yeah, on page one hundred and nine, it's got all their different hand gestures, and they've got their hands. They've got one thumb, which is pretty normal, admittedly. Mm-hmm. But then they're missing their two middle fingers. Mm-hmm. And their hand is, like, a lot longer. Yeah. I'm filing this under creepy. I'm not into these long hands. They're freaking me out. (laughs) Sure it's that way in the movie. I'm going to have to Uh, check out these hands. This is very interesting. But, yeah, there's a lot of really cool stuff. Oh, that's a striking image. Two th- uh, 112. It's sort of okay. like a graphic novel sort of quality image of mm-hmm. like some ceremony that they were going to do on Poseidon. Yeah. yeah, with a giant statue and the shadows, much like Indiana Jones and the Well of Souls, shadows determining where people stand. Um, I do want to say about this artist, I think his name is Jacob Blunt Davies. He's got some really good stuff and it's all in this, it's a little bit of a comic book style, but I really like it in, in this uh, particular book. But he's been doing all of these, uh, all th- throughout this trilogy, he's done, done work and I think his stuff is always good. Um, something I do want to mention about the chapter title on page 112, Aliens from a Thousand Worlds. Does that sound familiar? They start They start this and maybe one or two others. They use some of the lines from the original Orson Welles narrated ah. trailer for Star Wars. And I think Aliens from a Thousand Worlds is one of them. There, there's a sto- the story of a boy, a girl, and the universe. That's another one later on. There's another little interesting thing they threw in. Yeah, I love, um, as I'm a fan of all things cute in Star Wars, mm-hmm. 114, 115, there's a lot of little uh, Pasana, like creatures, these little three-eyed elves. <laughs> yeah. and, and I especially like, there's this, what is it called here? Wizard 66 original. And the concept oh, artist <laughs> isn't just drawing crazy aliens, but he's coming mm-hmm. up with, unique ways a human can be inside. And there's this one character that's carrying a bunch of space lettuce (laughs) and they've got a really long neck. And then the concept drawing next to that is sort of like with uh, x-ray vision and the performer inside has got his hand in the air and his arm is the neck of, and the head of the creature. That's cool. Yeah. And, And it's sort of weird that you don't really think, about that when like, they're, they're, they're going, going oh, how can we like have someone in a suit but make it look different than a, like a humanoid form? Yeah. I did want to say about page 114. Uh, I, I've seen Rise of Skywalker a few times in the theaters and each time my eye was drawn to this big droid that looked like an elephant in the scene when Poe was hot-wiring the speeders. And I would, always wondered what that droid was doing. I thought it was like a garbage 
collection droid, but it actually says here the concept for it was a large-scale droid um, who is like seeking out under the sand vegetation. Hmm. So it was like a harvesting droid. I just thought that was very interesting. That's one of those things that you know solved a story uh, story question for me. What what was the story question? What what was the purpose of that giant elephant droid? Yeah, that had nothing was to do with the story, it? buddy. Well, it, but it, it, there's a story behind it. That's what I mean. I want ah. to know what the story was with that droid. Ah, yeah, okay. I, okay. I, I'm just picturing you like reading this, and oh, I was looking for vegetation. That's why she was a Palpatine. It all makes sense <laughs> now. Yeah. <laughs> and I got to give a shout out. Kind of unsung, great new cute character is what is this the the Wiltshire? Okay, the, yeah, the little mouse that lives on Pasana with the the their eyes eyeballs. And their ears. Yeah, yeah. Man, that must make blinking so loud. Don't you think? I think so. Thank you. Uh, some other concepts for Pisana. One of Ochi just does not look like a nice guy on page 117. Oh, and really? Go- yeah, I th- I th- I'm pretty sure that's supposed to be Ochi. No, yeah. I, I, no, he, uh, he, uh, no, the thing I'm saying really about is he doesn't look like a nice guy. He, he just looks like he's just old and, and just worn that's out. True. God, you're harsh. I am. I have, you know, high standards for people. Wow. Get uh, some of the serpent, and then on 120, different concepts for Dio. Oh, wow. That's a lot of little droids. Yeah. It's like that, was it Rogue One, where they have different, they have the spread of all the different alphabet fighters they were trying before they got to the Mm U-Wing. It's all of these little concepts for the droids that became Dio. Wow. That must be... It, it almost makes you want to have, like, a reality television show. Picking the droid. <laughs> pick, the, pick the next Star Wars droid. Yeah, because yeah. all these bizarre variations. And I, I do like one of, of them is a robot rubber duck. I appreciate yep. that because rubber duckies have become a big part of my life. What's your pick of the D.O.'s? I'm a little bit partial to the ones on the top of page 121 because they remind me of this toy robot I had when I was a kid. Gotcha. He is very, um, like, 80s toy robot. Yeah. It's very hard for me. I I can tell you ones that I... Like, there's some that I see and I'm just like, no, don't. Mm -hmm. I I don't want it to be... um, I don't want it to be canine from Doctor Who. Right. And there are some of those in here. Uh, or Flying Eyeball. But Jackie got a Dio... It's like a life-size, essentially, nightlight for Harry that you touch the okay. side and his little nozzle lights up. And I love Dio now because he lights up my son's room every night when we read... Like, he, he, he da da. That could be his first Star Wars character he's ever said, actually. Oh wow! Da da. 
Yeah. Yeah, so I... Uh, Dio holds a... Uh, it, it's, it's so strange that like a piece of merchandise makes me like him more in the film. It's meant to be the other way around, <laughs> isn't it? Supposed to be. I think I've been co-opted. I think so. Uh-oh. One of my favorite images in the whole book is on page 125. The bottom. You have a group of the fish nuns from The Last Jedi oh. on Kajimi, and it's a group of assassins. Oh, my God. I don't know if that was ever a serious concept, but I just love the idea. <laughs> Maybe they are looking for Ray because she never paid for the damages to the huts. Man, that page. And, and the wheelbarrow. <laughs> that, that double spread has got some amazing aliens on it. Yeah. I'm not sure. Do we see any of these in the film? I don't think so. Maybe in the background of the John Williams canteen. Yeah. But the whole, you know, the, the whole next few pages are early ideas for Babu Frick, who originally was two different characters. There was a droid maker and a shipbuilder who was connected to the idea of this device that was going to take out the, the first order equipment. Uh, mm-hmm. But then they merged it into just babu frick the the droid maker and we start seeing that character come into focus on 128 and 129 you mentioned that one where he's riding the droid earlier yeah just to bounce back to that that 124 double spread okay the the one that's all teeth yes terrifies me yeah that's scary and then the guy on the other side that's got eyes all over his head that's weird just makes me feel queasy Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I got thrown off by saying "I" when it's about a character with all these eyes. I was like, I don't know what to do with this. As much as the illustration grosses me out, mm-hmm. would love to see a practical multi-eye man. Imagine if they all blinked out of sync, all the different eyes on his head. They could. They could do that now. Didn't the the creature that Luke and Obi-Wan sell the speeder to in Mos Eisley? It, it reminds me of this dude, yeah. Yeah. It's not the same species for sure. No. no. And you never really got a good look at that guy. Nor would you want to. No. He was gross no. as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one oh, all these Bappy Freaks. Sorry, I just turned the page. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Oh, they're all so cute. He's got little beards and ears. Mm-hmm. One of them's just like one of those shaved chihuahuas with a utility belt. Yes. <laughs> and then there's some where he's a lot more buggy. Mm-hmm. Don't like that. Yeah. 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 Pretty much a bug. I feel like Babu Freak and his like concepts are like Yoda's. Like if you look for all those weird concepts of Yoda where you're like, oh, that's all real cute and weird, but God, you nailed it. Like you picked mm-hmm. the right one. Yeah. Because like all these are, are fascinating and, but I don't know, there's something about that Babu freak. Mm-hmm. He, um, he did some good stuff. One thirty-three earlier, we were talking about how um, 
you know, George in the prequels would have the art and then for the force awakens would have the art department kind of just work on concepts and he would write story out of that. Um, in this story section on page 133, Carter says that they would, um, actually build sets such as the resistance cave where the Tanti four was, was housed without an actual script. So they had an idea for what they wanted, and they, I guess because of the time crunch making this movie, they would just build whatever and then write the script around it, just like the prequels. And then he also mentioned something that we may have talked about before, um, why no one answered the call that Leia put out in The Last Jedi. And You have my attention. It, it sounds like this is one of those things that – and George did this a lot in the prequels too, where they thought they answered it, but it wasn't as apparent as they thought they were making it. And the idea that was this time it was everyone in the galaxy, the rest of the galaxy answering the call. You know, you had shipbuilders and merchants and everyone coming to the aid of the resistance in this last battle because they didn't want, you know, it was a choice of whether they were going to put up with the dark or fight for the light. It was about the legacy of the galaxy. And now all these people were coming and they realize that now. And I think they had that idea in their discussions about the movie, but it didn't necessarily translate or they didn't do a good enough job of explaining that on screen. Yeah. And I sort of, I don't know. I, I felt like that took, some of the adrenaline away from like what should have been like when all those ships turned up, mm-hmm. it just didn't give me the buzz that in concept it should have. Cause I am prone to excitement, Tom. Mm-hmm. I've been excited before mm-hmm. and I'll be excited again. Now, can I ask you two questions about that? The, mm-hmm. the lack of – would it have been more exciting if you had heard Harrison Dula's voicing, you know, ghost – this is the ghost and uh, Shriv from Battlefront, his voice saying something. Would, would it have been more exciting if you had heard those voices or seen familiar people in addition to all those ships? I don't – maybe seen, I guess. Mm-hmm. No, 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 maybe heard but definitely seen. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I felt like at that point they should have just put all the barbecue sauce on the nuggets, mm-hmm. and just like, and even with the ships, like I know, like there's some amazing sort of like people on Twitter and stuff that have, um, you know, they've they've sort of they do those videos and they point out where all right. the ships are, and I felt like they should have really. Not made those Easter eggs, but just blatant. Here's these guys. Like, mm-hmm. apparently there is a Naboo Starfighter in the battle. Yeah, there but, is. Yeah, but I don't want this red dot on Twitter showing me where it is. Mm-hmm. I want to go, oh my God, Naboo Starfighter. And it's it's like a bearded Rick Ollie. Mm-hmm. And he goes, that's Exegol. That's the most evil place in the galaxy. A lot of Star Destroyers down there. <laughs> I miss Rick. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that definitely would have helped. I'm not saying you're wrong because it didn't – it wasn't until my third or fourth time seeing the movie that I really got excited about that moment even though I knew it was coming. 
But then my other question is, you've seen Endgame, mm-hmm. right? Do you think if you had not seen Endgame, you would have been more pumped up by the Rebel fleet arriving that way because it was very similar to the way the Avengers came back? All right, this is a tangled web. Mm-hmm. I'll go to see the big Marvel films and then mm-hmm. I'll fill in the other ones on aeroplanes. Okay. Or on streaming. Because when I go back and forth to America, to Melbourne, the like the latest Marvel film, like before it hits home video, it's always on there. Mm-hmm. It's really good. But... Um, I actually, I just thought they did it better in Endgame. I, I thought mm. you got to soak it up a lot more. Like, John, like they, I felt like they showed you the characters. Yeah. And whereas in this, you know, I don't know. Like, what, it, like when you watch it for the first time, did you recognize anything else apart from the Millennium Falcon? No. No, it it took multiple viewings, and then I'm like, that looks like, but I got to go on Twitter to make sure, or I can't tell if that's supposed to be this, or maybe it's this, and I don't, like, I don't think, like, just, and and just for sorry, just for the 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 crazy fantasy of like those the the, the whatever that those weird hot dog ships from Hoth, you know, the Rebel transport mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Next to a Naboo starfighter, mm-hmm. like like just bizarre, to have all that, and then I was even I, I was losing it. I was like, let's get some Ewoks. They've built a star. Mm-hmm. Maybe they could be in Sindel's Star Cruiser. That, just that a big tree, a big tree with engines flying through. I don't know. I just it would have been sick. <laughs> To show inside one of the ships, and there was a bunch of Ewoks piloting it. <laughs> they can drive an ATST. How how much harder could it be? No, it's it's all the same thing. I don't I don't think in any way Rise of Skywalker was trying to rip off Endgame because there were two movies that came out the same year. But I I can see how some people feel like well one was so exciting and so we they have to compare the other one to it. I think the Rise of Skywalker, like you said, could have had a lot more detail and could have given a little bit more time to what we, th- than what we got. Yeah. I just felt like that was the time for some pretty hardcore fan service. Yeah. And just to have every ship from all these different things and like even, Oh, well I was going to say even the, the Royal Naboo starship, but as we know, it got melted down. <laughs> we we saw make, that. And to make Phasma's helmet. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we get some views of Leia and Luke's training, although I think I, it's I, interesting. Sorry, I do have to say, mm-hmm. as we um, like we're sort of talking about a lot of the pictures, but it's sort of hitting me as I flick through. I'm like, and this is what I like about a book, mm-hmm. because these novels you're reading. No buys, right? Mm-hmm. But a good coffee table book that has like really good imagery 
Mm-hmm. So if you in, if you just want to hit, do you know what I mean? You just want I just want to flick through some Star Wars. You can just like toggle through it, but then there's other pages in this book, Tom, loaded with these things called words. Mm-hmm. They make sentences, they form paragraphs, and together they communicate a message. Mm-hmm. It's quite compelling. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a very interesting concept when you put the two together. That's why I like comic books. There's not enough words in it. That's bad. There's, <laughs> this thankfully has lots of words. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. Leia, Leia and Luke training. One of them has a red saber. What do you make of that? I don't know. Maybe they used Vader's because Leia hadn't made hers yet in the story. Mm. Is it red or is it pink? Oh, that's a, maybe it's a purplish. Hmm. I have not seen this spread before. 134 (laughs) on. Right. I am taken aback. (laughs) Like, the fact, they're just so, I don't know, what's going on? Who's the artist here? We got we got the artist names. Klein, Fisher, Wallen, and Baines. All right, Bainesy. Bainesy comes back from lunch, right? He's been over mm-hmm. at Starbucks, got himself his little scone, scone, as they say, frappuccino. And then he's like, "Oh, yeah, what do you want us to draw next? Hey, how about you draw Princess Leia, General Leia, whatever." and Luke Skywalker doing their final Jedi training in a forest. And then they start drawing. What the hell? Like, that is such a bizarre job. Mm -hmm. What I'm trying to say is, these pictures are stunning. Yep. I love how they're on, like, those supersized trees. Mm -hmm. Like, they're even... Endor had some thick branches, you guys. But I, I would think this was if I didn't know anything about the movie, I would think this took place in an indoor. Hmm. But deep, deep yeah. Oh, in yeah. the forest because one of those trees is like 20 foot thick. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. Keep us going, buddy. We go into ray training on uh, bottom 136. She has a pike, I guess, with two with a saber coming out each end. Just an interesting idea. And by interesting, you mean bad. I, I, I don't like it better than what we got, but I still wouldn't mind seeing it. Yeah, I always thought... Like, I had to live through the, the early 2000s double lightsaber hilted fan film glut. All right? Mm-hmm. I had to watch mm-hmm. a lot of fan yeah. films where... There was a lot of double-ended lightsabers, thanks to Darth Maul. But I always thought it was, and I, I think in the high, Rep- in the High Republic, does someone have a Jedi have a double-ended lightsaber? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Burn it. Um, and it's one of the, it might be even be one of those folded ones that Dark Ray had, uh, Ray of Darkness, if you will. Because very nice. I always thought like a Jedi would sort of just have the basic lightsaber because mm-hmm. it's the honorable thing to have. Like if you've got a lightsaber that has another little saber blade come out the back or whatever, 
I don't know. I feel like it's breaking the code of combat or something like that. Like I always thought Darth Maul having two was like, Mm -hmm. he's so devious. Yeah. I, I could definitely see where you're coming from. I'm going to have to ruminate on that. Yeah. So, cause like the way that Ben Kenobi talks about the Jedi's weapon and, you know, he he talks about the Jedi Knights and the noble age of the Jedi Knights Mm -hmm. and stuff. It's sort of like, it was a more civilized age. They're and, the good guys. They didn't need gimmicks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I was never a fan of anyone light-sided having a double lightsaber. And it was one of those things that, especially in the Force Awakens era, <laughs> a lot of talk that that, that um, staff was going to end up uh, spitting out a couple of... Uh, mm-hmm. Plasma beams out. Are they plasma? Is that what's going on? I don't know. Maybe. I think they're made of made up irum. Maybe. <laughs> uh, more rebel base stuff and a lot of how they tried to get the blockade runner to fit into the trees and different structures. Page 143. I, I do have to say, I have oh. not seen these before. The resistance base. The giant tree interweaving is like quite often more so maybe with the characters, but you you sort of go, oh, what they did was better. Mm -hmm. Like this was obviously a very hard thing to accomplish. Yeah. This like snake, like giant tree. And it also explains where Luke and Leia were fighting because this planet has got some big trees, but that shot of um, there's a painting of like the Falcon with like, like it's sort of almost like the proportions of one of the parts of the Death Star, like in the water in the film. Mm-hmm. There's a tree like that big in the background yeah. behind the Falcon, and then there's some X wings sort of in between them flying past. That that's good. And then the um, underneath where it's like the base. Mm-hmm. Oh, and there's the little dude on a pole, like in a new hope. Yeah. yeah. He's on, he's on, he's somewhere else in this book too. Is he? Yeah. Uh, so. That that was the worst job going up on the pole. Oh, one third, one forty three. Okay. Wait, I'll skip no, he, no, he's not on a pole though. He's, it looks like he's hanging from something, but still yes. in one of those devices. They still won't put him anywhere with dignity. No, they can't get a droid to do that either. Give him an office. Right. Uh, the image next to that on the left of that, it's it's titled Fleet Arrival. And I think this is one of the few images in the book that we get the idea of there being multiple ships showing up at some point in the movie. You're multiple right. new ships. Yeah. Updates of the Y wing, A wing, and B wing on 144 and 145. I'm always a big fan of the B wing. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm more an A wing guy. Okay. But I think we all can agree the Y wing sucks. Yeah, until until the the rise of Skywalker, they looked and, and the final episode of the Clone Wars. They just no, I, I'm 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 holding over my resentment of them from okay. the eighties. 
I always okay. they, just in the trench run, they accomplished nothing. Mm-hmm. Like it just seemed like why these they they always remind me of like um, Volkswagen vans, like like surfer vans. Mm-hmm. They just seem too cumbersome. It's like you're not listen, gold leader. You're not hitting anything. <laughs> you're kidding yourself. Let the farm boy come through. He knows what's going on. He'll close his eyes. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. We get some Chewy and Maz on page 149. That is very tender. It is. And then 150, the bottom page, the bottom of that page, it's you have three different tables and resistance figures huddled all around them looking at some pieces of equipment. And you have Ray and it looks like that character, Major Emmett from or Amat from the last Jedi and the force awakens they're examining this equipment. And I, I just wonder what this was about. It looks like they're all building Lego. It does. That is compelling. It, it does mention in the, um, in the text about that, it will attack. It's near that image, but it's, it's a quote from Kiri Hart from 2014 that Michael Art had came up with the idea of uh, Leia being discredited because she was Vader's daughter that we later got in Bloodline. Mm. Now, that was just interesting that that was a concept that went back all the way to before The Force Awakens because that, that was such a good book. That's a very good book. I find that plot thread, like for a book, mm-hmm. pretty good. Yeah. But in a movie, it's almost... Like, like it's 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 like a good thinking it out logically, but it's almost too frustrating to deal with. Mm-hmm. Like, do you know what I mean? Because we know Princess Leia, mm-hmm. and you know, all hail Princess Leia. You got to trust Princess Leia, and then to have people go, "Don't trust Princess Leia because she's related to Darth Vader." Like when mm-hmm. you go into the cinema for two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. I would find that annoying. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. Like yeah, it'd, it'd just be frustrating to to have like good people turn on her sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But like in a book, you know, you're on this sort of more in depth journey, right? Definitely, it it definitely works in a book. Yeah. What is happening on page 152? What is that ship? This was a space station inside the rings of a planet. Oh my god, Oracle Asteroid Ship version 3? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's bigger than Star Destroyers. Because there are small Star Destroyers flying in and out of it. 
Wow. In mid-November 2017, Kevin Jenkins' idea of a massive ship or space station eating the rings around a planet was considered for both the First Order's factory or home of the Oracle. J.J. Abrams liked the concept, but ultimately couldn't find a place for it in its ever-evolving story. I love the idea of the Oracle being in this giant old spaceship that's flying around a ring eating Mm -hmm. the... That is cool. Yeah. And did we... There's this picture here of... um, Kylo Ren and the Knights of Ren doing their thing. Do we do we ever see them together renning about in the films? Like there's that force back. The force back and the walk down the hallway. Were ghouls they, versus goals. Yeah, yeah, but they like oh, when when he's on Mustafar there's no Knights of Ren there, is there? No, it's all First Order Stormtroopers behind them. That's what I'm confused about. Because remember when he stabs the Sith Loyalist, mm. some people were like, oh, is that a Knight of Ren? Like, is he... Yeah. Interesting. That's, um, you know, you, you can't get everything in. But, you know, that's one thing of we didn't get to see Kylo and the Knights of Ren Ren mm. about. Oh, 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 this is a really weird thing that I think I've read about on page 155 is when Kylo Ren goes through on Mustafar killing everyone that like Hux and Pride are there watching. Yeah, that's in the novelization. Ah, okay. Tell us a bit about that. Uh, it's it's very interesting where you get the idea early on in the book that, that Pride is very much a fan of Kylo and what Kylo is doing. Okay. And Hux is, is not. And there's a big difference between the two of them. And then maybe the greatest image mm-hmm. in the entire yep. book. <laughs> I don't, well, it's up there. 156. What we've got here is just a just a nice little swamp mm-hmm. with a giant baby's head. Yep. And a bizarre spider octopusy thing just living on his forehead in front of Princess Leia's son. Now, if you want, there's a little bit more atmosphere for the scene on the next page. Oh, okay. Especially the bottom. There are three images. Oh. Uh, different types of skulls on Pike. You have uh, a Mon Calamari skull. You have a, a Nautilin or the Kit Fisto skull and a Gamorian skull. And at one point, these different skulls were supposed to be on Pikes around the swamp of the Oracle. That's a thing, right? You spend two weeks working on mm-hmm. your Kit Fisto skull. To go in this scene, mm-hmm. opening night, you're like, all right, it's coming in. going to cash in this skull. Mm-hmm. It's not in there. It's just, it, it is, it's remarkable the detail that goes into all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then thus when it's not used, you're like, oh, 
Now, I wonder if these were, like, it looks like these are computer models, so then were they 3D printed? Hmm. And if they were, if the scene was actually filmed, were the, do these things exist? I could look at this baby head coming out of the water all day. I keep paging back to it. It's, that's a sweet baby head. But continue. Keep me occupied. Yeah. Um, we go on to the chase from the very opening of the movie and some of the different ideas for the big ice asteroid. Another image of the triangle dish on page 161. May, that might even be the one we're a fan of, but from a different angle. Hmm. With the falcon kind of skipping through the rings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that seems to be this, the ring, the Falcon going through the rings of the planet seems to have been replaced by the hyperspace skipping. Yeah, I think you're right. Which, you know, for those that listen to the show, (laughs) I'm going with the rings. I would like more information on that one city-like planet. No, I want less information. Less information. The, skimming uh, through this, that would have been like it's fresh. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I've been on Star Tours. I haven't. You've never been on Star Tours. Never been on. I've never been to a Disney. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, so did you go to Celebration Orlando? No, I didn't. Okay, yeah, nah. I, I was like, maybe you went and I didn't know you. But, um... Yeah. Interesting. Never been to a Disney. No. Have you been to Florida before? I've never been to Florida or California. Have you been in an ocean before? Yes. I grew I grew up in... On an island. Oh, that's right. In New York. Yeah. Okay. All right. been to the, I've been to the Jersey Shore, been to Cape Cod, Massachusetts a lot, but I've never been to Florida or Cal. I'm, I was hoping to go to California in August. Hey, a lot of people were. Yeah. yeah. Uh, page 163, another chapter title straight from that original Star Wars trailer, an adventure unlike anything on your planet. Oh, Tom, you've decoded this. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of Phil. I think Phil did a great job, and that's just another yet another reason why very cool i love this asteroid with it's it's more honeycombed out mm-hmm. yeah but we, we oh, they call have it seen... they call it uh, like so this is oh. asteroid with tons <laughs> of little holes in it and they call it the spongeroid yep that's awesome the thing about the chapters here, the text, now we're into shooting and they're talking about locations uh, and other information, a lot of which we got on the, the Rise of Skywalker documentary. There are some sweet Star Destroyer concepts, though. Mm-hmm. Each I one say, more engined than the last. Yes, especially because the, 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 this one on the top of page 165, it has you know the, the usual point of a a star destroyer but another kind of long thing going across and then in the reverse view there are engines on every level i love so picture a like a really big star destroyer with giant engines at the back but Mm -hmm. then it's got this upper deck yes a little bit further forward and that's got engines on it as well 
but they're really small comparatively to the main engines. Mm-hmm. Which leads me to ask, did you have to put in the little engines? What do you think, Tom? Kylo, wa- Kylo wanted a faster ship. The extra so boost. Just, it, it just looks like it. They probably don't even work. The one um, like that... Where 164 Kylo flagship version one, where it's sort of like like a more flattened Star Destroyer with a split down the middle. Looks like it's coming apart. I reckon that's sick. I think the the one below that, I think that's straight from The Force Awakens. Someone just slipped in some art, called it a day. Oh, I think that's the one I'm talking about. The I, one I, with. Oh, no, I don't like the one above it. It looks like an alligator's mouth. Okay, yeah, okay. The one on the top of the page I do not like, yeah. That's the one I was thinking you were talking about, but Kylo Flagship version one by Church. I'm pretty sure that's straight from The Force Awakens. What? Force Awakens concept, or it's actually in The Force Awakens? Or, uh, the Force Awakens concept. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I was going to say, I, I have to go watch that film now. <laughs> Then we get some conference rooms, uh, different ideas for room, the bridge of the Star Destroyer, the torture room that they were going to have Chewbacca in. Well, this is interesting. You, you got, you're glossing over the lead story here. There, there was a scene planned or concept that when Chewbacca got captured, Kylo mm-hmm. Ren had him either chained up or clamped up. There's one scene where he's upside down. It looks like he's in a like a circus Olay sort of spinning type formation. But yeah. I, I pretty much my favorite thing about the film is the redemption of Ben Solo and when he becomes Ben again. I just I think mm-hmm. Ben Solo was such a dope character. And I feel like this was wise. I'm not sure if they mentioned this in the book or not, but it was wise to take it out because, like this torturing of Chewie, because, you know, it, it's it, it's almost time to forgive him. Mm-hmm. So you don't really want to um, have him torturing his uncle. No, you do not. Who's also a, a lovable giant dog. Um, that was one of the things that I was considering with the redemption of Ben Solo and how Kylo Ren was depicted over the last two films that like maybe, I don't know. He was like a bit too callous. Like he should have been enabling people to kill people, but not doing it himself so much. Just a theory. Like, obviously, he has to kill Han Solo. Mm-hmm. But I, like, like you know how when he watches the laser, he's not involved with Hux's speech mm-hmm. and the laser going off to Hosnian, Hosnian Prime. Like, he's um, watching it from his Star Destroyer. Sort of more that, that he sort of had his goal and then the maybe, like, Snoke and the First Order... Like, like in the end, it was a far more sinister goal. Mm-hmm. And after he and Ray have that conversation in the elevator in The Last Jedi, you think it, 
you get the idea that he can turn to the light and she's trying to make it possible for him and then even even then in in the last jedi he he doesn't care after snoke is dead if the resistance ships are destroyed um later in the movie he tells luke you know i'm gonna kill her and i'm gonna kill you and then here in the rise of skywalker he still wants to turn ray to the dark side and I, th- I think what I'm trying to say is I, I think you're right. They still were pressing hard on the whole Kylo Ren as a villain thing and not showing how tortured he was being drawn to the light. And I think if, if they had shown him firsthand torturing Chewbacca, that that would not have helped with the redemption. Yeah, because we, we did the other episode about the Kylo Ren comics – the rise mm-hmm. of Kylo Ren, I believe. Mm-hmm. And that paints him in, in a far more sort of sympathetic light and, and, and just like like sort of like a tragedy of the trilogy that they didn't focus on that was in the comic was sort of the misinterpretation of who blew up the temple. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I felt like if that was revealed in the film, I don't know, that would sort of add to the tragedy of it, of, mm-hmm. you know, this this guy sort of, you know, did bad things, but it was all based on this big misunderstanding that was his villain origin story. It was more that he wasn't a villain. It was more what propelled him and then he found villainy and in the embrace of that weird wrinkly man in a gold robe. Mm-hmm. But um, some of these concepts of like Chewbacca, someone had a good, what's his name? Is it Cheshire? Cheshire? No, no, no. Wait. Brockbank, mm-hmm. I, I believe. He, um, he likes drawing torturous pointy things. Yeah, there are a lot of pointy things aimed at Chewbacca there. Because that is... We've seen a bit of torturing in these films, and that looks like the least cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, so just, I, I think, bouncing back a bit to page 140, 141. Okay. Two things, very notable. What we have is some concept work on the blockade runner and the resistance yes. base. And a few of the concepts have the blockade runner more part, like forming the cave of the base, like the roof, like it's mm-hmm. sort of built into the mountain. It reminds me right. of the transformers base in Washington state. That's where I think it, it's located. I know exactly. Yeah. The way it like lands at the bottom of that volcano, yeah, and well, it's just kind of sticking out. What did you say about Washington State? Apparently, the location in the comic books and maybe even in the cartoon, it was meant to be Washington, like a one of the mountains in Washington State. Really? Yeah. No way. Okay, yeah. I, I don't think that was ever pointed out in the cartoon. I'd be very shocked. Mm-hmm. It yeah. might. It might not have been. But I, because like the comic book series was, it had moments of brilliance early on. Hey, we've all had moments of brilliance early on. 
that's true. That's what got me here. Uh, I I did think you were going to say something else about this bottom one on one forty one. How the bottom row of engines is kind of a little bit obscured by this outcropping. I thought you were going to say that's a throwback to the uh, one of your favorite bits from the Star from the New Hope Special Edition with the rocks blocking R2-D2. <laughs> well, the other special thing about this artwork, have a look at that one that you're talking about and then look at the credit of who illustrated <laughs> it. Have you been holding out on us? Saunders. Saunders. On the 28th of February 2018. What were you doing then? I have no idea. <laughs> Wait, was I being a father? No, no, that was at the end of the year. So I had a lot of free time. Yes, I did do this art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Man, I, I couldn't imagine being able to draw. Not just being able to draw, but being able to do this. I feel like whether I could, it's, I feel like I could learn to paint? fly. Easy. <laughs> yeah. I, I have no idea how – I'm sure they're – you know, now they use computers. But even with what Ralph McQuarrie did, I have no idea of how – I could doodle a little, but nothing close to this. I, I, I can Photoshop poorly. <laughs> That's my art. You could Photoshop the, the back end of the Tanta V4 and a grassy outcropping in front of it. And no, your I- name. I, I just have the Transformers base from the cartoon with some trees photoshopped around it. That would be my thing. That, what was, what was the Transformers too. ship called? The Ark. Ah, no, that was, is that what the computer was called? The computer was Teletran 1. Teletran 1. Yes. Great. All right. Where, where are we off to now? Okay. Uh, page 171. Yeah. They're talking, you know, we're seeing different pictures of Kylo and the torture room on the on board the uh, whatever this Star Destroyer is called. And then we, we start seeing Kylo's quarters. Uh, originally, they had his room all black, and red, very emo. And then we see the uh, on, on page 170 little podium where he keeps Darth Vader's helmet. And there, there's a very interesting image here where the dust is rising and then in the next one it's leading him down the hall. And I wonder if that, that was going to be accompanied by the sound effects of the smoke monster from Lost. Dude. Ben Burt working on that one. I just watched the episode where Ben summons it and it takes out Kimi Ooh. and all the um, all the... They're not vigilantes. What are they? They're mercenaries. Mercenaries? Yeah. yeah. That, that was a good one. Is that the one where at the very end he ends up in Charles Widmore's bedroom? Oh, yeah. It's in that series of yeah. events. Yeah. Yeah. That's, Just watched that's The Bedroom it. last night. <laughs> you know, um, Charles Widmore is... Um, everyone in Australia knows him because he was a dad on Neighbours. The, the long-running Australian song. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's this... There's two long-running soaps in Australia. One's Home and Away, and that's based in a beach town near Sydney. Mm-hmm. 
But then Neighbours was set in Melbourne, in the suburbs, kind of out near where Chris Fresh lives. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and because that's where the actual street is, they go mm-hmm. out to film it and, like, everyone from – or not everyone, but – Fans from London often go on tours out there and stuff, which is is really funny because it's like you're you're just going on a, a tour of the suburbs. Now, is it the same? Because I, I'm pretty sure there's also a Neighbours in England. Is it the same show or is it just the Australian version of... No, it's the English same show. It, it's oh, just very oh, popular okay. in England. Oh, okay. So is he the same... I think is, is his name Alan Dale? Yes, Alan Dale. The actor... Is he the same? Does he play the same type of character, or does he have different? Does he have range? I don't remember him being so assertive in Neighbours. Okay, because I, okay. I, 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 I don't remember being scared of him. In Lost, I'm scared of him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the first time I ever saw him was on Twenty Four. Gotcha. Where he p- played the vice president who invoked the Twenty Fifth Amendment to remove the president in one of the early seasons. So we went from that to Mr. Widmore. Very scary man. He's been a few, he was in, um, the OC as well. Yes, he was. I didn't watch that, but I knew he was in it for some reason. I think he married Marissa's mum. Maybe there's a deep cut for everyone. (laughs) And, you know, OC Star Wars references. Like the uh, was it revenge the Revenge of the Sith trailer, or was it Attack of the Clones? What's that? One of the trailers I want to say maybe for Revenge of the Sith premiered either before or after an episode of the OC, and it was introed by one of the actors. Really? Because you know Rachel Bilson yeah. married Anakin Skywalker. I did not know that. Yeah, probably should. Wow. Okay. They've since broken up, so. But I believe they met on the My set of they, they met on the set of Looper. Oh, Ryan Johnson, not Looper. Sorry, Jumper. Oh, oh okay. I, was gonna, I don't know what the what because I saw Looper. Looper's a very good movie. I don't remember either of them in it. <laughs> they both play Bruce Willis. <laughs> No, Jumper. Jumper is an amazing on a plane or feeling sick movie. Mm-hmm. It's just like, yeah, just, just jump. Yeah. Jump, Hayden. Does he? Oh, he jumps the hell out of the thing. Okay. But, um, yeah, that's an interesting concept, the whole uh, the smoke monster going down the hall. Yeah. I wonder where they were off to. I, like, there wasn't really anything aboard the ship he was looking for, was there? Hmm. He wasn't looking for Ray until she was at, off of, until he was off of the ship. But one thing we have to take into consideration is a lot of this stuff is just, they're just pictures. Right. That they did, right. you know, sometimes before there's a story or they might say, hey, we're going to do stuff about this and you, you come up with stuff. The, 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 the blue sky period, Tom. Yeah, and may, maybe the uh, maybe Brock Bank. He, he had just been watching Lost. That exactly. Day. And maybe he was in the middle of one of, or or her. Maybe she, they were in the middle of their rewatch, and 
I'll throw in a smoke monster. Maybe JJ will pick my idea if I can reference something else he's done. Oh, I believe it's Adam. But, um, okay. yeah, that's what I, I think he's just, you know, he, he's got all this other... Maybe that's how he got his success because in another picture he drew Felicity in a scene and now he's drawing the smoke yes. monster. And, and it, Ray, Ray with a bright red wig like Sidney Bristow. Ooh, from Alias, yes. you know he's he's just JJ nostalgic, and and that's we all know JJ loves skulls nostalgia. Where else are we heading, yes. Tom? Yes, he does. Um, the next few pages, we start to see Kylo's. They call it the sanctuary here. Was it supposed to be his bedroom, his quarters? It didn't look comfortable. It looked like a giant utility room or something but it takes on the familiar uh, coloring that we see in the movie more white with a few black highlights um, and then we see ray and kylo fighting on a um, kind of action piece here at the bottom of 173 175 um we we start now, this was uh, some, some blue sky work. The one at the top of 175 was an idea for Supreme Leader Kylo Ren, where he is in a floating throne with Ray to his right. And it looks like they are on the same side. It would appear that way. And I, I want to say this piece either came out early or very close to after the release of the rise of Skywalker. And it's one of the, you know, no, no story was given with it or anything. And so people thought, well, one, one point, point Ray was going to be truly dark Ray, but no, it was just early on blue sky stuff. But wouldn't this fit in if they visually depicted Ray's dream, how she was, was, wait, in the movie, does she say she was on the throne? or Ky- Didn't she say that Kylo Ren was on the throne and she was next to it? Yes, but it was the throne of the Sith. The Sheev's throne, not not this. But I, I, I think, yeah. Yeah, I but mean, like the throne can change. Yes, it could. It could. Work with me, Tom. Yeah. I, um... It's his throne. It's bizarre. It, it, it looks like a losing Tatooine pod racer in its shape. It does. I I wonder if you could ride that around. Well, that's because a thing. There's a big. There's a big open hallway behind it. So could, does he have like a little joystick? He could just back up and take that to the hangar bay. Well, that's the thing about it. Is is one thing you know. Ray's standing there next to him mm-hmm. and he's sitting down, which is lazy already. But I, I feel like then his seat also floating is an extra amount of laziness. Yeah. It, it's, it's a show off show. It, it's a show. He's showing off because I, I, not only am I Supreme leader, I have a throne. My throne floats. Do you think the throne floats or it's his little, his little mind oh, tricks. Using... That'd be annoying the whole time just to have to think, stay up, stay up. Stay yeah, up, give me up. a headache. I think there's repulsor lifts built in there. But the, the caption here 
does say that all of these pieces came before they in October of 2017 before they had any story ideas. The art department did. And speaking of laziness, the the other throne room variation we get, not good for old Kylo's posture. He's no, it's not. He's he's sitting on a metal throne like someone would sit in a deflated beanbag. Yes. Well, I think I think when you're a supreme leader of the first order, you can have the first order chiropractor adjust your spine every day. Hmm. And then opposite that is a bit of artwork, which is really cool, similar to the front cover of Ray looking into sort of a lake or a reflective surface, and then in the reflection Mm -hmm. is Kylo, um, which is a lot like the sort of mirror image on the cover. And, yeah, it's interesting to see all the concepts that sort of how they were trying to do the, the force bond and them physically interacting through that, that this might've been one of the, the little force connection things they would have had going on. And the one you, the one you pointed out, the title is reflection two and there's no reflection one. So I wonder if the one on the front cover is reflection one. Hmm. One uh, one seventy eight, one seventy nine. We see the inside of the first order hangar bay, and one seventy nine. There's an image of Ray jumping onto the Falcon, and it looks like the Falcon is inside the hangar bay. But in the movie, we see it's outside. And ever since the first time I saw that, it reminded me of that one scene in Back to the Future Two, where Marty is on top of the building, and Biff is saying he could either jump or get shot. And I, I like that that throwback, but I'm guessing that's one of those things because here it looks like the artists had a different idea for it where Ray was more cornered and then the the Falcon came, entered the hangar bay. Yeah, I definitely got the Marty McFly and he, he rises back up sort of standing with mm-hmm. his arms crossed or something. He's, he's, he's looking yeah. pretty pretty suave on the top of the DeLorean there. But yeah, I, I definitely got that on the, uh, the first night as well. Uh, 180, we have some f- festival of the ancestors information. And there's another look at, at the top of what Pasana would have looked like had they done it differently. At one point it was going to be a, a group of islands. The, oh my God. That looks amazing. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like, looks like a, like a, like a boating dock in Thailand or something. Yeah, and I'm guessing they went with the desert because. Well, that's they. It they, was they always they did it in the Force Awakens. Hey, let's put yeah. let's put water everywhere, and then it's, when it comes to budget it out, it's like, nah. How about how about sand? Yeah, I was. I'm getting sick of desert planets. Makes I me, love Tatooine, but makes me I'm thirsty. Ready for something else. Yeah, um, what do you think the uh, the, the actors? think after being there for so long yeah but at least with Tatooine it, it went out on a high like the last time yeah. we saw oh. Tatooine it was one of the best things ever yes uh, are you talking about uh, Return of the Jedi or Rise of Skywalker or both I'm thinking both I'm, 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 I'm I was talking about the Mandalorian <sighs> anyway 
we get more of the Festival of the Ancestors. I don't think there are any Calicans showing up on the Festival of the Ancestors because they have nothing to be proud about. Uh-huh. Uh, some different ideas for Lando's tread vehicle. I, I, I don't know if I like any of them better than the final one. Uh, so, one, like, there's this one for, for people that aren't uh, reading along with us. There's, there's one vehicle where it's just a track, like the vehicle is one tractor tire. <laughs> like it's not hauling in, like, it's just like, like the, the tread goes like a van, like a square bit of metal or something. And the tread goes on the roof, mm-hmm. which I kind of want to see that drive around. <laughs> that that interests me. Mm-hmm. Some of these are very small. Ima- Im- not- Im- imagine if they had like a like an Indiana Jones style fight on top of that tread. Bit of a punch up, close to getting squashed, all that good stuff. Yeah. Maybe, maybe maybe they save maybe because this is a Lucasfilm maybe they save the design for Indy Five. Maybe to see Harrison Ford fight Nazis atop one of those things. I, I just don't even believe that film's coming out. Yeah, I don't. I I don't know. Um, I I would go and see it probably opening night, but I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, oh, I definitely go see it opening night. You know, I I, I owe it to the franchise, but. I saw Crystal Skull opening night, mm-hmm. and that's it. I think I saw it on DVD a few months later with my parent, with my father. But yeah, it's uh, it's one of those movies. I had a note on one ninety three. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We have Kylo's Tie Fighter, and they they go through some. Talking about, I just don't understand why they felt the need to redesign it from The Last Jedi. It's different? Yeah, it's the the cockpit is different. Here, the cockpit is more like a classic TIE fighter cockpit with the roof coming over a little bit. Uh, it's a totally different shape in The Last Jedi. Hmm. Okay, this connects with one of my... So, his TIE fighter gets broken here, right? Mm-hmm. Or as my son Harry would say, broken. <laughs> then, when does he get his next one? Oh, he get and then, and then he gets another one... Mm-hmm. That he goes to the Death Star in. Yes. And then Ray steals that and burns it. Mm-hmm. Are those two TIE fighters, like, exactly the same? I I would guess. I mean, you don't, you don't have a custom TIE fighter built differently. No but, he vi- does. no, but visually to you, are they exactly the same? I think they're exactly the same. Because at least then he could have, like, the first time had his old one. 
Yeah. And then busted out his new one for the next bit. Because it's like when you look at it, it's like, why? How'd that TIE fighter come back? And somehow he gets the Wayfinder out of the first one and puts it in the second one. Unless he keeps the one with the Wayfinder. You know, unless the, the one Ray Burns is the one that he takes to Exegol in the beginning. And for that middle sequence, he's using a second one. Like Maybe there's a long-range one and a short-range one. <sighs> These are the Star Wars thoughts that hurt my head. Yeah. I, I always... Um, like, just at... It's, I find it so shocking that they didn't integrate Trevor Al's First Order shuttle that's at Disneyland. I have not seen it in person. I've only seen pictures of it, and I, I don't like that. That's not my kind of ship. I just find it weird they just didn't use it. Because, you know, they, made, they, they, des- they got him to do it early so it could tie in. Tie in. Oh. <laughs> All right, keep going. What else? Okay. What else you got? Uh, One ninety-eight. Going past some versions of the snake hole and everything, we see a character who, uh, from an earlier version of the story, who didn't meet the cut. It's a lady, kind of has a little B. Arthur vibe up there. Um, she was going to be a, as as the text describes it here, a blind shipbuilder of advanced years with a connection to raise youth as a scavenger on Jakku. Really? Yes. And she would have helped the resistance forces, Poe and Ray and Finn hide. And I think this is back as we were talking earlier, they had a, a plot point about trying to dismantle the first order technology and having some help from some aliens who did not like the first order yet built their ships. And I think she might have, in terms of the story, she might have been involved in that. So she's a blind shipbuilder, but she had, she, she wasn't, she had no force abilities as far as you know. No, I don't think so. Okay. Why? I don't, yeah. It's, it, I would have been interested to see what they do with it, who they got to play her. Um, but I don't, I don't know that I like the, the taking out the first order technology better than the story that we got. Yeah, I, I just felt like they needed to trim it. Like, one thing that always stands out to me is, you know how they're going for that beacon, and then they just turn it off and they shift it to the star destroyer. Mm-hmm. Why didn't they just shoot the beacon? It was like in there, like they just had to press the button. Oh, the one on the ground? Yeah. I was, yeah, I was wondering that too. Because can't you just like flick it back? Ah, teacher. <laughs> oh, or sending it back to the ground. It's like, I've got I've got your nose. I've got your yeah. nose. It's like, just press the button. You had to like, press, press the button. Pa-pa-pow, pa-pa-pow. Anyway. Two, on page 200, uh, there are some storyboards for, they're called Force Fights. And including the, there's a painting here of Ooh. Kylo suspended midair, much like Indiana Jones and the Last. Crusade. I was going to say that exact thing. Yeah, um, and I'm guessing this is you know an, an early idea of the two of them fighting through their Force connection. Wow, kind I... of like 
I like that. Yeah, kind of like what we saw on them fighting above Kajimi in the Star Destroyer, but maybe in some different locations. And I wondered if that would have been something constant throughout the movie instead of just happening once. I, um, this is, you know, it's quite different. It, it, it reminds me a little bit of Crate with Luke not being there, mm-hmm. but not actually being there, but he's sort of there, but he's, he's standing, I guess, on the ground where he originally was at. Is that how it works? Standing on the ground where he was originally. Well, I don't know. Was no. he standing or was he sitting there? cross-legged luke was oh no 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 i mean no no i mean in this image kylo Mm -hmm. so he's floating because like where he's like you know ray's standing at the end of a cliff and he's like floating above the cliff on the ground where kylo is originally at yeah so kylo's standing on the ground that wherever he is Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean yeah like like say He's standing in the village where he spilled all those fruit, mm-hmm. but she's next to a ledge, so it looks like he's floating. But he's standing on the ground back at the village. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right, and I. That makes me think that, and maybe this is obvious to everyone but me, but the force projection that Luke does at the end of the Last Jedi is different from the force connection that Rey and Kylo have, where they are physically there with each other. Hmm. Yes. Because the sword... I thought you were talking about Luke at first, but no. It, two different things. And and I, this would have been a, an interesting idea. I... Did I retweet it? Yes, I retweeted it. A edit of Crate in The Last Jedi with the green saber. Have you seen that? I have not. I might... I'll look through your feed for that. Yeah, it was like just in the last couple of days. But um, I got to watch the whole crate thing again, which I haven't mm-hmm. seen it for a little bit. And I just love how when you know that Luke isn't there, mm-hmm. how telegraphed him not being there is. Yeah. But the first time you watch it, like, there's no way I was noticing any of that stuff. No, I I wasn't either. It'd be just because you're so blown away by what is is happening mm. luke skywalker with a lightsaber and i don't want to say it's misdirection but you're right you don't notice it yeah they're really let, interesting let me ask you something mm-hmm. i know i know you have mixed feelings about this about the between the movies material books the, and other the, things the mortar material Yes. Now, what if, what if something came out, a very well done book? Um, well, I can't, I can't, I can't not like a very well done book, Tom. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> Come on. Okay, let's say it's an average. Let's say it's an average. But we learn that be- <laughs> we learn that between the Last Jedi and. <laughs> <laughs> I think that very well done book would suck. Yes. I, well, okay. But no, what, what if we learned that they had 
fights of this nature between The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker, that their force connection would act up every now and then. Oh, burn it. Burn it. Just, and then burn everything. Like, burn the house that you saw that in. Like, like <laughs> go to Barnes & Noble, burn that. So you think you think Ray and Kylo's You see an Amazon truck, burn that. <laughs> burn that. You think that Ray and Kylo's first Force connection after The Last Jedi was in the beginning of Rise of Skywalker? Yeah. I, I cannot stand anything that interacts apart characters in between films. Like the Marvel comic first issue where mm-hmm. Luke faced Vader after Star Wars b- before Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> No, absolutely zero buys. It was a good comic book. Steel is getting ready to end this conversation. It's just be better at writing stories Mm -hmm. that you don't have to have them. It's, I that I I got that comic book on my birthday, mm-hmm. and I'd still a soul searching. I I so wanted to love the comics, mm-hmm. like I the actual the whole act of going to the comic book shop mm-hmm. and having someone be nice to you every week. They know your name. Loved it. Mm-hmm. Loved it, and then that comic book came out and ruined everything for you. Well, I stuck with it for a fair while. Okay, we got blinded and met Boba Fett. Did you did you quit before Yoda went to the Rock Planet? I believe I must have. Good, good. That's I would not wish that on anyone. Okay. Um. All right. Keep us going, Tom. Page 201, another one of these chapter breaks. Uh, The title is yet another one of those titles that calls back to the very first Star Wars trailer. The story of a a boy, a girl, and a universe. So, we talked about this before. Mm Mm-hmm. But Orson Welles. Yep. What? What's going on? I think... At one point, he was in. He was considered to do Vader's voice, and I'm wondering if that was part of the connection where he was in the running for this, and he just recorded the dialogue for the or the voiceover for the trailer anyway. Maybe he was just. He didn't even record the trailer. <laughs> he he was just reading the like the the summary of the film on the script, and he was just like, "Ah, oh, it's a story of a a boy, a girl, and a universe." And he just read it out so well. They saved it, and yeah, he could did a terrible Darth Vader. Oh. <laughs> did, now, did he record? But boy, Darth- could he, but boy, could he read a synopsis? Yes. Just belt it did, out. Did, 
did he deliver the line creatures from a thousand worlds uh, in in a bathroom or a closet? Is that how they did voiceover recording back then? No, I, I imagine they did it in a big brown room. Probably. Probably. Big brown room. Uh, this text here, though, mentions um, about when they started filming in late 2018, um, the first day of Jude shooting on July 25th, also the day the first shooting uh, draft of, uh, was finished, much like Attack oh. of Clones, where, where you have the, the script finished on the day the movie I, starts shooting. Listen, one of my complaints about Disney Star Wars is mm-hmm. how often they tried to bring the films out. Like, in reflection, trying to finish off this episode reviewing the last part of the film, I've been doing a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm recording my conclusion right now. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just think it's kind of, um, how do I say it? Not respectful to what you need to put into the story to have them come out every year. Mm-hmm. Like they like, it's not. These aren't sort of throwaway films, so I felt like they right. like they they shouldn't have rushed through them. And like, almost everyone was rushed due to something. And mm-hmm. like George Lucas did three years apart, but as you mentioned, he finished the script for Attack of the Clones as they started filming mm-hmm. and he had like I don't know what was it 17 years mm-hmm. what are you doing George like you, you had you had a de- like like that's what I mean like like JJ Abrams and Ryan Johnson and you know they 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 didn't have no like they didn't have like this 10 a decade lead time Mm-hmm. Plot it out, George. What'd you do with that decade? Hanging out with Linda Ronstadt? Making Tucker a man in this dream. Because <laughs> I, I must have mentioned this on a podcast at one time or another. But you know the Plow King episode of The Simpsons, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Barney hits the big time as the Plough King. And he ends up dating Linda Ronstadt. Mm-hmm. And they get in a spa bath together. Hot tub in it, yeah. Yeah. So because George Lucas went out with Linda Ronstadt in the 80s, uh-huh. I always picture them together in a spa. Because <laughs> I know she loves spa baths. That's the only thing I know about her. I, I I have something but in new my, in my me- head now. But in my mental image, like George has got a flannelette shirt in the spa. Of, of course he does. <laughs> After that interlude, get us back on track. We, uh, we see some early versions of Kajimi, which look remarkably like the Kajimi that we get in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Although the, the you know some of the interiors, it's it's more. It looks like they were planning on spending more time on interiors that weren't Babu Babu Frick's place. But then we get to Babu Babu Frick's droid shop. Um, one image on two page two hundred six, the very bottom. I guess they took the the idea of a droid mechanic literally because you have C three PO lying down with the back of his head off, and then Babu Frick lying underneath C-3PO looking up at him. Here's my thing with Babu Freak, right? Mm-hmm. I love the little guy. Oh, who doesn't? But he's a mechanic. So I don't trust him. <laughs> I don't think he had to do hardly anything. <laughs> Poe did say it was a very simple process. Or did 3PO say that? Because, like, I can't handle going to the mechanic... Like I just like, just, just be straight up with me, man. Come on. What do I really need done? Come on, just between you and me. Right. I'm not so like you're- I'm not like the other customers, the other rubes that come in. So yeah, the I, I just don't think it was that hard. I think he's overblowing the job. You think he overcharged for undercoating C three PO? Yes. Oh, the undercoating, exactly. <laughs> and and because he and Poe don't speak the same language and they need Zori to translate, I'm sure she was also and a bit raising of scratch. the price yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like my last service, I, I needed a wheel balance. Apparently, if I got the wheel balance, I, I'd save that money back tenfold in not having tires getting replaced. And I was just like, eh, okay. Eh, meh. It's just, I, 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 like, were they balanced? I don't know. I don't, don't they just have to have the same amount of air? In each tire or something like that. Oh, so that's what a wheel balance is? They're just like inflating I don't the know. tires? I don't know. That's my guess. It's got to be more than that otherwise. Maybe they roll an egg on it or something. I don't know. Oh, I like the idea of that. Yeah. I've got to tell you. Mm-hmm. In Australia, I don't know if they do this in other parts of the world, but when it's really hot mm-hmm. in sporting season, the on-the-field commentator will crack an egg on the field to show that it cooks because that's how I, hot it is. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite thing about sport. I, I've seen that. I've actually seen a, a, when I used to work in TV, I saw a weather person do that right in front of me. It was pretty cool. Love it. Mm-hmm. And crack an it, egg. It didn't really cook that much. Really? It wasn't that hot. Oh, yeah. in, in Australia, you gotta it's got to keep yeah. an eye on it. It might burn. I like the yolk runny. So, speaking of some place it wasn't hot enough to fry an egg on the sidewalk, we get more and more Kajimi. It looked like at one point they were going to cut through the sewers. Um, we see the Falcon in a hangar, Darth Vader's helmet on the ground, and then to the uh, another moon of Endor. Different landscapes and views. Uh, what's the next page? Two twenty. Okay, so yeah, more of the. The skiffs and approaching the Death Star. Um, 
it looks like they had planned to use a few different part of the Death Star, like maybe entering through a hangar in the water, which might explain how, you know, a place where Kylo could have gotten the tie from. I um, like that juxtaposition mm-hmm. that where the, you know, like say in Star Wars A New Hope. Oh, no, no. Well, this is the, the second Death Star, so we'll say Return of the Jedi. The the docking bay where the shuttle Tiderium once landed, mm-hmm. you can now just bring your yacht in. Yeah, just pull the boat on in. Living that polo lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, more Death Star. Finn and Janna in one of the corridors. Uh, it looks like they're supposed to be following Kylo and Rey. Not exactly sure. Um 217, the bottom of Ray swimming through some wreckage, much like a similar picture of Ray swimming through, or the character who is supposed to become Ray swimming through the wreckage from the Force Awakens art book. I don't like that. I don't like anything underwater. You know, then don't look at the next page because she's using a lightsaber underwater. I like the idea of that, though. <laughs> okay. Uh, some climbing through. I, I just, I, I just hate anything where someone has to hold their breath. It makes me too much anxiety. You want to hold your breath and see if you can. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. That's wanna, what happens I, to me. I don't want to be put to the test. I, 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 you know, in Lost, how they've got that underwater base, the station. Oh, that Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. The looking glass. Yeah. Oh, so they have to. They call it a, a moon pool, apparently. Mm-hmm. Where, which I love. I think I first saw it in maybe a James Bond movie where you've got an underwater base and then because of the way air works, you can have mm-hmm. the bottom open and it's just a little little pool and you can bring your yeah. submarines up. Excellent. Yeah. Love a sub in one of them. But he has to swim down and then try find where it is and he's tapping the top and he's running out of breath. Mm-hmm. No buys. Bru- yeah. like, I'm on the couch, like, about to pass out because I can't breathe. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I am actually glad they avoided any um, underwater breath holding. Unless they had one of those sweet Naboo snorkels. Oh, yeah, the little things. Uh, the one thing about that lost scene, I do love the idea of one underwater station, but supposedly if the glass was broken and f- the water were to flood the station... Charlie would have lived because the water would only have filled up to where the window was. I don't know about that. Maybe. But the whole thing about how he gets trapped in there, it's pointless. Like when you watch it again, it's like, Mm -hmm. let's go through the door, dude. What are you doing? Go through the door and close it after you. Yeah. He just didn't put the effort in. You know, people yeah. go on about this, like, um, Jack not hanging onto that bit of raft in Titanic. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking into Charlie. What, what was he about, hey? Yeah. Um, I'm with you. I like this. The, some of this underwater stuff is cool. The lightsaber one's pretty cool. But how she's – there's one concept where the throne room is half underwater – and she yeah. comes out of the water and the stairs where Luke and Vader uh, once fought are sort of like stairs out of the water. And then mm-hmm. is that Kylo Ren at the top of the stairs? It almost looks like a lady. 
Yeah, it looks like I think it's Ray standing there looking towards us, as it were. No, but whose head's in front of it then? There's a head. Where? At the front of the picture, coming out of the water. Oh, there, you're right. There is. I was looking. Sorry, I was looking on the other end. That's a good question. Maybe it's supposed to be Dark Ray. Ah. Maybe that's where she meets Dark Ray. I do, you know, I wonder if at any point they, okay, so suppose she had to swim through the wreckage to get to the, the throne room. With a snorkel. I won, with a snorkel. I wonder if at any point she, or anyone had the idea to have her swim through the shaft that Palpatine got thrown into. swim through that to get up to the throne room. I'm just picturing that. Mm-hmm. That would be an interesting remix on it if the water level was... So everything that was a chasm in Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. was now a pond. Yes. So do you know what I mean? Like... Yeah. So, so the the guardrails they now guard you from falling into the water, <laughs> right? That'd be interesting. Yeah, but it would be tough to, unless you know it wouldn't mean anything to her, and we would only realize it if she were popping out of the water right where these guardrails were. Well, no, there's an old like tourist sign <laughs> saying here is where Sheev Sheev died here. Sheaves pit. <laughs> All right, keep us rolling, buddy. We got some more uh, interiors and exteriors of the Death Star fight, including one at the top of page 220 with a, just one lone TIE fighter in the middle of the picture. Yeah, and, and because I, that's the one that Kylo is meant to fly. Right, that's what I'm, I'm wondering. Like, if they had that in there, would pe- people have been able to put two and two together and say, oh, there it is. I just think you need to put it there. And and it's also odd that, um, like, I like how there's that shot of the X-Wing and the TIE Fighter parked together on Exegol, Mm because it it reminds me of, like, Kenner Toys. Yeah. That you've got these two ships parked there. Just reminds me of toys. But... Those TIE Fighters don't have hyperdrive, buddy. No. They they could have used Vader's TIE Fighter, which would have also given them the New Hope TIE. Uh. Between the X, yeah. But I don't make Star Wars movies. I only talk about them. Uh, we start... Yeah, after that, we start getting into the few things we have from the final act of the movie, including a Star Destroyer factory that looks like a First Order logo at the top of 222. Oh, my... God, I thought I was looking at like a super laser on a Death Star, like this circular thing, Mm -hmm. and it had teeth. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. But it's actually a Star Destroyer. They're Star Destroyers, not big metal teeth. Wow. No, yeah. Oh, that's cool. I like the, um, I think it might have been Rogue One, how they had um, the concept art of the Star Destroyer factory sort of going in a ring around. On, on the death, or, or oh, around the planet. Yeah. yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I don't like that. I I what? I remember there was a Star Trek film where it might have been the first one where they go to like a in space construction yard and they first see the Enterprise. I think that's the first one. And yeah. it takes them 30 minutes to show every angle going very slowly. Yeah, it's cuz George was ringing up the invoices. They had to yeah, use yeah. every second of it. Is it, I think there's one piece of concept art, maybe from Return of the Jedi, that actually so, shows Star Destroyers in the hangars of the Death Star. Don't like that. Burn it. Okay. Too big. Yeah. I, like, I even, you know, a thousand Star Destroyers with a thousand planet-destroying weapons. Too much. That's like mm. my dad's a ninja. Just say he's like, Got a bit of an alcohol problem and is prone to violence, so don't mess with him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, then we start getting into oh, actually two twenty four, the abandoned concept of Kylo going to Coruscant, which was an idea instead of Exegol. Love it. Mm-hmm. I. Not enough prequel love in this film. Yeah, I could have definitely... The whole... I could have used some Coruscant or more familiar places in the sequel trilogy, that's for sure. I don't know what he would have done here other than fight, you know, uh, the the dogs from the original Ghostbusters movie. (laughs) That's what it does look like. Gatemaster, or the keymaster and the gatekeeper. Uh, one of my favorite parts of anything ever, the horses on a spaceship, some concept art for that we have over the next few pages. And they almost look in the uh, concept art like, um, like a Jurassic Park creature head and a horse. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely. It's sort of like bird-like horses or something. Mm -hmm. Like hammerhead horses. Hmm. Or Finn leading the charge. Really cool picture of top 227 of him, like, busting through a window, swinging in. Yeah, like, Tarzaning in, like, guns yeah. are blazing. Yeah. If, if that was me, I would add, you know, if I was John Boyega, I would ask Lucasfilm for a giant print of this and just put it in my living room. Get it tattooed on my face. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far. Oh, what about this little um, thing of them blowing up the Star Destroyer and then they've got a sweet flying fox off the Star Destroyer somewhere? It's on the um, bottom of 226. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, that that is pretty cool. Enough repelling in Star Wars. And then on 228, 229, we've got lots of fleet images of mm-hmm. what ah oh, those star destroyers are like parked in little plugs on the planet yeah i think like in the underground hangars maybe and i wonder if that was what their original idea was in, before the ice hmm. and really these these are some of the only hints of what the final battle is about in the whole book that we get and so, We're not really. So, instead of coming out of the ice, they're all in these mm-hmm. hangars where I guess they were built. 
I think so, yeah. Okay. Listen, Chief. Here's what you do. You build one hangar. Right? And then with mm-hmm. all that spare time, you build a Star Destroyer. Once you finish the Star Destroyer, take it out of the hangar. <laughs> then build another Star Destroyer. Mm-hmm. You don't need to build a thousand hangars. What do you do with Star Destroyer, though? Just the park them up in the air. You bury them in the ice. Whatever you want to do with them, buddy. But you don't need a thousand construction sites. No. You know, these Sith people, they've been hanging out for a thousand years. They have nothing better to do. Build, to, to, to undergo some giant construction projects. So more battle, and then the story starts getting into post-production stuff. Um, some really cool concepts for the iceberg asteroid planet. I'm not. I haven't seen anything in here of that one planet that they jumped to during the hype, the light speed skipping with the the mirrored planet. I don't know what's going on with that thing. No, not- I don't know, but I want to know. Um, more on 238, another one of the Oracle. Oh. <sighs> we barely got to know. The... And this is the Oracle final version. Look at her on the baby head. Mm-hmm. Cute little baby nose. I, listen, as a concept. Mm-hmm. Spider lizard oracle that lives on a baby head in a swamp. Mm-hmm. Hate it. <laughs> Hate it. But because this film is how I feel about it, I'm like, put it in. Who cares? I'll see the bloody spider lizard on a baby head. <laughs> Give it to me. Give me it. I wonder if Darth Vader ever had any conversations with that thing. <laughs> Impressive spider lizard yes. on a baby head. Careful not to choke in that lake, spider head. <laughs> Careful uh, not to drown your baby <laughs> head. There you go. Kylo on the Death Star. And then a hangar scene. Uh, there there is really- some, like, um, I, I actually... I, I, I do want to do like a YouTube version of this so people can see what we're looking at that don't have the book with them. So if anyone wants to help me out with that, get in touch. But these concept pictures of Kylo looking out, presumably post Han Solo discussion, mm-hmm. they're exceptional. That scene, listen, it's pretty good. Yeah. The um that that's the thing with the film is in watching it in chunks for the review thing. Like I watched that scene, mm-hmm. and I'm like I'm in tears. I'm like this, and and like the scene where um Ray Poe and Finn all hug and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm all about it. I'm right, all about sh- it. But then in between that, Sheev gets like a new outfit. Wouldn't you, though, if you had the, these powers and you, you were wearing this hospital gown for the last 
however many years, wouldn't you want a little bit of – you have all your fans all around looking at you, cheering you on? He didn't even know he was going to reform like that. So you telling me that he's got like a spare wardrobe, but Lucas can't come up with this Attack of the Clones script in the 90s? Yes. That's why Sheev had Snoke. Sheev needed Snoke to, to do things for him. George Lucas tried doing everything. That's why he couldn't get the script done in time. But so, like, he transforms. Mm-hmm. And then he's, the first thing he thinks of is like, time to try out that new robe. <laughs> yes. All right. Maybe he could, you know, maybe he went down a few sizes. Um, page, there's a double page spread right after that. I just want to point out, we see, this is the, the surface of the Death Star. Oh, are you saying what I'm saying? Yes. The entrance. Is that what you're saying? The portal. Yes, the portal. That's that's it. That's where, where Wedge and Lando and Liam Numb fly in. And the guy who got blown up. Yeah, that is sick. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yep. That's that's all I wanted. To oh, and about there's there's I didn't even notice that Ray oh, and Kylo no. were just in tiny little lightsabers. Yeah, right off to the side. I don't think this is to scale, guys. No. The portal is definitely too small. Because the lightsaber looks like the portal, the shaft, looks about, I'm going to be generous and say 10 lightsaber lengths across. I'd say six or seven. Now, the Millennium Falcon. (laughs) Like, Like when... When Luke ignited the the, the lightsaber in the cock, in in the you know in the back room, it didn't go one sixth of the way across the ship. Oh, no. God, I hope this wasn't a Saunders. <laughs> really upset. Uh, looks like it was by a Voy. Hack. Yes, my first time seeing that name. All right, what else you got, Tom? Uh, Sheev's place on Exegol, I guess early versions of on 245. They all uh, remind me of um, Stargate. Yeah. Yeah, the... the Big yeah. shifting pyramids and all that sort of stuff. 248, the B-Wing. That's always good to see. And then the, the new TIE fighter on 247. Okay, so this is... It's got a little extra, like a foil wing yes. on the side. Now, is is this in the film? I'm not. I'm not sure if the extra foil is, but yeah, those ties are. Because we do see the pointy tie. The yeah. Okay, the corn chip tie. The corn. Yep. Yeah. Star destroyer getting chopped in half. Oh, double page spread, and it must yep. be a Sith. Star Destroyer yes. as it's got red trim. Yeah. And then that's pretty so, much it. They're... What do you think if they made the Sith Star Destroyers black with red trim? Or red lights? Like, you, I know, would... you know those cars that, like, drive around, like, at night 
with lights mm-hmm. underneath them. Yeah. So they're all black, and then underneath their little iridescent lights are red. Part of me would be interested to see that, but then part of me also would have said this is something that you would have seen in the EU or Shadows of the Empire. That's like yeah, but what, what, like, but what we're left with is something that we'd seen in every other film. True. It depends on how it how it looks on screen. I think. I reckon it'll look pretty badass. Yeah. But I don't like judging by some of the. I think in the visual dictionary and on some products. This Star Destroyer and the Sith Troopers and stuff, their backstory seems to have bounced around as a bit of an afterthought. Yeah. As there's um, a couple of different versions of like that they're Sith or they're First Order, they're only loyal to Kylo Ren. I think the the earliest thing we got of them when the, the troopers themselves were first teased was that they were loyal to Kylo Ren. And then when the movie and this other, the other supporting information came out, it's like, well, they, you know, they were in service to Palpatine all this time. And the, the book even says that some of the Sith loyalist Sith eternal forces, you know, they, some of them have been on Exegol their whole lives but there are people who were taken from the first order, like oh. just disappeared, recruited, and I think it even the novelization even hints that General Pride knew about the the final order, the Sith people, the whole time. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, Ooh. I like that. Yeah. So, I'm just sidling past the uh, the index. Mm-hmm. There's a cool double page spread of of Kylo and Ray. They're very true to the film, but just yep. just a sweet image. Mm-hmm. So I want to give that some due. It's a, it's a very simple, nice image. Then you've got um, a very Return of the Jedi esque shot mm-hmm. of Kylo Ren walking in a Star Destroyer amongst a. Uh, I don't know, a battalion of Sith troopers all lined up. And then that that does look like he's in command of them. It does, yeah. But, Tom, mm-hmm. what do you make of that final image of right at the back? It's someone in a desert, a bit caped, and they're looking up to a, a mountain range of sorts with a, an eclipse an eclipse sun. What do you reckon's going on in this final image of the whole book? I would I would think that's Kylo on Exegol at some point. Hmm. Maybe related to the journeys of Kylo to Coruscant, but obviously this isn't Coruscant. Uh, but I think at one point they were thinking probably this is probably some blue sky stuff where they were thinking that Kylo would be on a soul-searching journey and this does look like a very for even as far away as it is it's a very reflective mode of peace that's what i'm getting with this eclipse i guess hey nothing makes you think more than an eclipse no just don't look into it 
Mm-hmm. Well, I wonder if Kylo's helmet has those, le- you know, the lenses that would block it out. Like blue blockers. I don't know if those are strong enough. Okay. Great infomercial, though. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. People really enjoyed putting on those sunglasses, let me tell you. Yeah. All right, Tom. Well, I would have to say the fact that us just freestyling on this got us three hours of conversation. Yeah. That um, pretty big thumbs up, pretty big turn it. I think so. There's a, there's a lot in this book and there's even more that they didn't put in the book for various reasons. What do you hope to see one day? I want to see different designs for all of the the rebel ships that showed up at the end. I know they had things taken from animation and other projects. I'd like to see more of that. Um, definitely their ideas for Sheev and if they went, went into any details about the Sith people. Hmm. I'm interested in the Sheev concepts. Mm-hmm. So... Um... In doing this, um, the review thing, mm-hmm. I'm getting into a fair bit of, here's what I would have done, right? <laughs> Going real deep into that area. I think when Sheev got reconstituted, which is, because um, what happened to him is what happens at McDonald's every morning. Did you know that? I, I did not know that. Yeah, so when you open a McDonald's in the morning, you're doing breakfast, right? Mm-hmm. That's the shift to do, right? Okay. Loved it as a, as a teenager. We were the brekkie boys. We went in with hungovers. Sometimes we went in still drunk. It was, it was quite a vibe. Mm-hmm. But we loved those Egg McMuffins, right? Mm-hmm. But you had to get ready for the day's hamburger production. So you had these bags, these like paper bags that you'd rip open and there'd be these little white specks, like asbestos. Mm -hmm. And then you'd put them in this metal tub. Then you'd pour in uh, like a, you know, a certain amount of water had to be the right amount. And then while you're cooking the bacon egg muffins, that water was joining the asbestos. And by 1030, it had become onion. That's what happened to Sheave. He got his water. So there's a dyad at every McDonald's? Yeah, a dyad of, of asbestos and water. And every morning they come together, far more often than the dyad in Star Wars, it would appear. So it's not really that special. The dyads really aren't that special. Dude, those onions are pretty tasty. I Oh, I, I bet. So, um... So yeah, that's what happened to Sheev. Got got his little water and became reconstituted. Yep. But what I thought when he did get re- when he got his water, right? Mm-hmm. I think, and it, it'd be fresher, and it would also harken back to the prequels. It should have just been Ian McDermott with uh, yellow eyes. Yeah. It sort of just, I don't know, it sort of like remix it in mm-hmm. 
a more sort of interesting way rather than just like, like it'd be like you've got the prequel character in the Return of the Jedi scenario rather than you've got the Return of the Jedi character in the Return of the Jedi scenario. I can. Would you have had the hood up? Yeah. Okay. And his, we see and his advisor could have been CO Bibble. Imagine if, like, um, imagine instead of Snoke, it was like a clone CO Bibble <laughs> through the sequel trilogy. Why is CO Bibble there? How does it, when are they going to reveal? Your CO Bibble theory sucks. I, I could get on board with that. Such a that dude is such a downer. He's he's got quite a potty mouth too. How do you mean? Well, there's a new book that came out last week. Really? Yes. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about this sometime. He's cursing it up. He does. Yeah. It's no a way. Star Wars first. <laughs> Co Bibble. Communication. George Carlin of the Star Wars universe. What is it? What does he say? A communication blockage? Dis- disruption. Disruption. Yeah. A communication disruption can only mean one thing. Boop. Invasion. It's the beep. Trade Federation. Something like that. Okay. Excellent. Alrighty, Tom. That was super fun, buddy, and ex- extensive. Yeah. Um. Thanks so much. Can you please let the good people know of the internet where they can track you down? Um. Just track me down on Twitter. That's probably the safest for them and me. But I am also on the Sith list every week and. In addition to Page Wars here, I do Patreon shows for Blue Harvest and the Bad Motivators. Traitor. <laughs> you know what I love about the Sith list? What's that? Is that when one of you are away, mm-hmm. the rest of you just become brutal bullies to the <laughs> no, person that's not there. Be fair. We're brutal bullies to each other when we are there. You're like, like kids in high school, but all your disses are like, they're misfires. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. It's like, yeah, Carlos, you smell like strawberries. <laughs> like, I was like, ooh, shots fired. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, he just wants to divert the attention away from himself. Yeah, I was, I was, yeah, okay. I think I love, that's the other thing I love about it is watching him try to hold it together. It's, it's (laughs) like, um, you know, when someone's like trying to keep their umbrella in, in the wind. Yes. Yeah. That's what I picture him with like all his knobs and his editing key and his sound effects and 
<laughs> Very fun. So yeah, check out the Sith list. I've yeah. um, been enjoying. You were you were a visitor recently. I was. I was. Yeah. I, I enjoyed the um the what was it called the path to two hundred or something like that. It had a very road great, to two hundred. The road something. to two hundred. Yeah. Yes. So um, I hope you've organized your 99 guests for the, for the road to 300. <laughs> we're, we're getting started early from what I hear. Sweet. Good stuff. We'll see you in two years. <laughs> um, alrighty, Tom. Well, thanks so much. Thanks to our patrons for supporting this bonus content. Um, this is up on all the feeds, but if you want to hear... Tom's other deep dives into non, no fiction, fiction. <laughs> normally we do not nonfiction. Everything we just talked about was very true. Um, but normally we talk about new Canon books. It's just uh, $3 a month to get all that bonus audio on page wars and all the other shows we do. Thank you, Tom. It is an absolute treat. Thank and, you, Steele. And may that force with you. Do you have a catchphrase at the end, Tom? Read it. (laughs) May the words be with you. Just read it. (laughs) Because you want to be informed, just Just read read it. it. Read it. Yeah, read it. No No one cares if it doesn't match up with the video game. Show me some Mando. Show me some Ewok. <laughs> See, I can only think of the lyrics to Weird Al's Eat It. I know those much better than Beat It. <laughs> Page Wars. Nothing but Page Wars. Okay. That was fun. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.